Hey, I'm Will Pfeiffer, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Last week you did peak the meter, but I used it anyway. Okay. But I couldn't really tell because, like I said, I had no monitoring device. But it, it, it worked out okay. It was just a little little more uh, fuzzy than usual, which was kind of cool, kind of metal. Kind of metal. And nothing wrong with metal. Could have used it next week. Yeah. You could use it anytime. That's true. But I, I, I refuse to have a, a slug for the Ruhu. It's just not right. <laughs> like you could record the absolute crystalline, perfect, beautiful, glistening woohoo of all time, and I could just use it every episode. But that's lame. There's no variation. There's no spontaneity. There's, you know what I mean? I, I, I refuse. I won't do it. I feel you. Yeah, you do. Mm. Butter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is fun. I needed this a whole bunch. It was like 98 degrees today. Oh, must have been, was today a day off for you or would you work? Oh, today was a day off, yeah. Good thing. Yeah. I almost punched my, my son in the, in, the, in the taint. The kid thinks he could change reality just by thinking really, really, really hard. Okay. He's doing basketball. And they gave him a form to take home that the parents had to sign for conditioning purposes he's he's in the conditioning phase and blah 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 so he's like that's stupid why do we have to sign a form for conditioning they never did that before and he leaves it on the kitchen counter so today when i take him for basketball i drop him off i get a call i'm almost home i get a call dad come pick me up i'm like what's up they won't let me practice because i didn't sign the form i'm uh-huh. like you little dick mm. just because he does like who does he sound like Really, just 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 because you didn't want to do it doesn't mean they're just suddenly going to change their ideas and make it okay for you. And I'm like, you little fucker! I wanted to punch him, but I'm like, I'm staring at myself. She buffed the, the old block. Yeah, I'm staring at myself in the seat next to me. Dude, that's the savior. When I when I was 17 and I totaled my dad's Corvette, right? He didn't talk to me for two days, like literally not a word. But then he came in the third day, and he was like, you know, I'm 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 so I was so livid and I was so mad at you, but then I realized that. He's like, I totaled two cars by the time I was twenty. See, he's like, so they walk like, in I, our footsteps. Yeah, he's like, I can't, uh, I can't really yep. blame you. I'm like, all right, respect. Let's, let's move it, on then. <laughs> it happens. Yep, and it is happening right now. We're filling your ear holes with good stuffs because this is eleven o'clock comics episode six hundred and fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B, and I know you are excited for tonight and i am david a price that is facts on both y'all's ends and of course in honor of tonight making my very first appearance on the show i am jason woodrew (laughs) oh i knew it i had a feeling now are you jason woodrew or are you jason woodrew well the jason's dropped so you would have to be the former Correct. Yes. A.K.A. the Floronic Man, bitches. That's right. Don't be calling me Plant Man. You know, Guardians. don't do it. I <laughs> I love you too much to even begin to associate you with that crazy motherfucker. You are not <laughs> Jason Woodrew. You are Jason Wood, everybody. Uh-huh. All of us in the house for this 
our Book of the Month episode. Yes. Uh, as selected by our beautiful patrons. And here's how we do it. Once a month, we will float a list of 11 titles to our patrons. They deliberate. They pick. They choose. They change their votes sometimes. I don't... They can do that sometimes. And... Um, the resulting majority winner is our book of the month. And this month, it was my solo episode of the book of the month. I chose 11 books from which to choose, and they were Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen by Jack Kirby, All-Time Comics, Volume 1, Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1, The Shadow Master Series, Volume 1, Master of Kung Fu Epic Collection, Weapon of the Soul, Warlock by Jim Starlin, The Complete Collection, Doom Patrol, Volume 1, Brick by Brick, Jazz Maynard, Volume 1, The Barcelona Trilogy, The Fantastic Four, Epic Collection, The New Fantastic Four, Rick Veach's Brat Pack, and The House of Penance Library Edition. Um, It wasn't even close. There were, um, in third was Doom Patrol, Volume 1, no, in third was Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen by Jack Kirby, which is crazy. In second place was Doom Patrol Volume 1 Brick by Brick. But the winner was Alan Moore and Company's Saga of the Swamp Thing Volume 1. And that's what you're going to hear presently. So there you go. But we would love to thank our patrons for actually doing this for us. And if you would like to see what they see, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And it's all there. You know, we a whole lot of love in that their digital room. Mm. Yeah. So um, join us in future episodes for this, won't you? Uh, let's mm-hmm. do the drink okay. roll call because I got something special. Yeah. Well, I'll go first because I don't. Uh, I have um, two fisting on one. In one hand, I have a ice cold bottle of water. In the other hand, I have a can of ice cold ruby red grapefruit seltzer. Wow. You strapping in for that? Because that's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, well, I only have, I'm only doing one can of the seltzer because I don't want to overdo it. So, is is the embargo going to be lifted by New York City, maybe, or? Yeah, that'll be even. The, well, yeah, that yes. Mm-hmm. Or, or sooner. In the, if if we if we have one of these mythical get-togethers that we always talk about, then I would I would imbibe for that as well. I'm thinking August. All right, that's cool. I full disclosure, I actually had uh, a couple glasses of wine last night. It was the first time I had any alcohol in like a month and a half. Well, it was yeah, it was it, fitting. It, it, it was, was fitting. yeah. I also had pizza for there, for uh, which was uh, also the first carbs I've had in quite a while. But did if it, there was ever a night to to do all that, it was last night. Yeah. Did the, did the pizza just drop right out? No, but it was absolutely like orgasmic. It was pretty much like very close to the the joy of sex. Oh, is a pineapple on it? No, <laughs> no, a bunch of different, bunch of different kind. We got a bunch of different uh, pies for the table. We went to like one of those open, like outdoor brick oven joints, uh, and uh, sat outside for a couple hours and caught up on life and uh, had a, sh- a shit ton of different pizzas. That uh, yeah, it was great. Aww. I think I'm the only Ginzo in, in history that doesn't call pizza pie. I yeah, call I call really? it, I call it tray. Order tray of pizza. Oh no. no, no. It's oh, not, wait, what? No, it's, that's it's, ridiculous. No, well, it's that's... it's not a pie. There's nothing pie about it. It's a freaking it's, tray. It's round slices. Well, it's... considering every person 
like on the earth that makes them and sells them, calls them pie. I'm going to say yeah. it's a pie. It's, well, it's I don't pie. follow that lead. Sorry. It's a, it's a train <laughs> pizza. But anyway. You joke. All right. Because uh, this is a very special episode for me, I felt the need to go out and get something appropriate. <laughs> and I picked up. Now, get this. It, this is not conceptual continuity. I don't know what is. I picked up from the Wicked Weed Brewing Company. I got my hand on some Lieutenant Dank <laughs> Indian Pale Ale. Guess what? The can is Dank. I got no legs. We have to say it. Lieutenant Dank. Shrimp <laughs> Creole, shrimp gumbo, popcorn Ice shrimp. cream. Ice cream, Lieutenant Dank. Ice cream. I will drink this every week if this is what it's going to lead to. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. Um, oh, shit. It's, uh, and the can is green. And there is a very organic plant motif, of course, oh. because of the hops. So green can, wicked weed, Lieutenant Dank, I had to get it. So I, yeah. I made a special trip to the the uh, distributor, and I, I picked up um, a six-pack. And it ain't cheap. I, it was more than I like to pay for a six-pack, but wow. it was like 16 bucks. God dang. dang. Yeah. But God it, dang. I, it's It's... Uh, there's a little bitter aftertaste to it, but I like it. It's very, it's a summery uh, IPA, so I like it a lot. Damn, very much. I got to tell you, it, it, the beer world has changed so much. We, we uh, again, the aforementioned get together last night. We, uh, it was one of those things where uh, the pizza joint is BYOB, but the owners of the place also happen to own a. Uh, bar and bistro, like a gastropub across the street where they sell packaged goods. So we went over there to get some imbibations, and it was way harder to select a beer than it was to select the wines. Like they had X number of wines per type. So, like for example, there were maybe four different bottles of Cab to choose. So it was pretty, pretty a pretty expeditious effort to grab the wine. But like the beers, there's like a freaking a hundred different cans of like, you know, craft beer, like different. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a to do these days to figure out what beer you want to drink. It's exploding. Exploding. It's crazy. Yeah. It's good. Crazy though. Uh, Nobody I'm ever right. complained about having too much to choose from. <laughs> Choice is good. Yeah. Unless you're a golden corral. Oof. <laughs> yeah, but then there's information overload. You don't know what to, you want to sit back and enjoy. But see, I, I I wish I looked at the case more closely, Vince. I probably would have tried to tie it together with with some weed from over here, but I didn't think it through. So I I put I am feeling like crap mentally, physically. So I wanted to have some whiskey and I poured a glass of whiskey and then I heard Vince pop open one of his tasty beverages and I remembered that I have something to drink as well as a thank you for that drink. Um, Darren Helsel who sent us the uh, from Gigantic uh, the Hellboy Stout which I'm saving for um, later on in the fall. He sent... Johann Kraus Citrus Wit, which is uh, beer three of six from uh, the gigantic brewing company, and um, with a lovely little note attached to it, and it is um, pretty damn tasty. I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit, 
And uh, so I am drinking this with uh, Buffalo Trace Chaser when I'm done with it because that whiskey is not going to go to waste. Nice. I have to thank Darren as well. I, too, received one. Uh, Samesies. And, and the reason why I didn't consume it tonight was because, one, it didn't fit into the conceptual framework of what I was going for. <laughs> and, two, tomorrow night we are reigniting the weekly magic uh Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Look at you. So I'm bringing it up, and I'm going to share it with my boys. and Because uh, they're pretty big bottles. They're, what, 16 ounces? It is uh, 500 milliliters, 16.9 fluid ounces. One yeah. pint, 0.9 fluid ounces. Alcohol, 6.66 by volume. Oh, that's evil. So I'm going to do the flight thing. We have the little glasses, and I'll pour one out for everybody, everybody there. So they could, awesome. they could they uh, could try it out. Good on you. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is really good. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait. All right. The time is here, people. We're going to jump right in. If we don't have anything uh, any further business, let's jump right in to our book of the month. We good? I think we're good. I didn't. There wasn't anything else on the Slack, right? Right, and uh, you did the shout-out for Darren. Do we have another one while we're in the Patreon mode? No, we're good. Okay, Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1. Of course, it is written by Alan Moore, the GOAT, with art by Stephen Bissett, John Totalbin, Dan Day, Rick Veach, colors by Tatiana Wood, and lettering by John Costanza and Todd Klein, Tom Yates, Bissett, and Totalbin did the covers. And uh, there's two introductions to this book. I I think we would have to do our due diligence and at least mention one of them because it is a long introduction by none other than Len Wein. Mm, That is the truth. Yes, uh, the creator. Creator of. Co-creator of Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. And he goes into detail on... um, the whys and the wherefores, this Saga of the Swamp Thing series was uh, his idea because Wes Craven was doing a Swamp Thing movie and DC did not currently have a Swamp Thing book on the stands to capitalize on that fact. So Len went to editorial and he said, yo, I think it would be a really good idea if we had something for these people to buy in conjunction with this movie that's coming out. And they said, okay. And uh, Len's buddy, Martin Pascoe, wrote the majority of the first um, 19 issues. And uh, Tom Yates did a lot of the art. Tom's amazing. And Tom is a graduate of what? Cubert School. The Cubert School. So if you draw a line, it's not surprising that the successors to Mr. Yates on the book would be Stephen Bissett, Totalbin, and uh, Rick uh, Veach, because all of those men are graduates of the Kubert School. And Bissett and Totalbin even ghosted a little bit on uh, during Yates's run here and there. So, I mean, it's fitting. And Yates did the uh, first few covers into this collection. Right, right. Um, and uh, he goes into his uh, reasons for choosing Alan Moore and the uh, eventual explosion of the the British invasion, and it's it's just a beautiful introduction. It's 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 a little bittersweet because Mister Ween is no longer with us, but it's nice to hear from a ghost 
a very important ghost, at least as far as Swamp Thing is concerned, and Wolverine, right? I mean, Hell the, yeah. the guy created um, enduring characters on both sides of the street. So it's a neat little introduction. Um, and then we get an introduction from Ramsey Campbell, which I think was the introduction to the the original introduction to the book either one the the second hardcover printing needed a new introduction so either ramsey campbell's introduction was written after len weens or vice versa whatever the case but you get two introductions both of them are pretty long and then it launches into saga of the swan thing proper with issue 20 which was alan's first issue basically wrapping up all of not a lot of the dangling threads left by Mr. Pasco, and the title of the story is called Loose Ends, fittingly, right? Yes. But before we go into this, I just want to comment on the visual representation of the Swamp Thing within this book. Now, you can call this blasphemy or heresy, and I know Mr. Wrightson was the... Uh, set the stage as far as the look and feel of the Swamp Thing book and character, right? Um, but Wrightson's beautifully drawn Swamp Thing was basically a green man. I mean, yes, he did that um, trademark hood um, triangle over the nose that basically defines the character. I mean, you have to have the, the hood over the bridge of the nose to to make swamp thing they've changed his look many times over the years but the hood has endured right so i mean it's it's a classic look but wrightson's swamp thing is basically a green version of david his anatomy is perfect he's 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 the 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 perfect form the the ascension of the perfect form of human anatomy but he has roots over him like that's the only thing that distinguishes Rights and Swamp Thing from being just uh, that in the hood, from being just a, a, a peak physical perfection, and he's brown and green. And and Tom Yates also did a very clean looking Swamp Thing, again, pockmarked by the roots, but it's beset in total bin Swamp Thing. I think they perfected it. I think their version, he looks like he's growing. He looks like an amalgamation of a multitude of plant life and and insects and and creatures that dwell within plant life. I mean, they they took it to its logical conclusion, right? Um, and Wrightson is a very detailed illustrator. I don't know why he didn't. Maybe time constraints. I don't know why he didn't further like go deeper into that well and and actually have stuff growing off Swamp Thing. But I think it's beset in Totalbin's version of the the character that is the absolute best i mean and and yes it's been expounded upon prior to their handling of the character but when this came out i was like holy shit i mean he's ragged and rough and he's got sticks and flowers hanging off him and tubers and yeah and the roots are there too and he's fuzzy in some spots and he he doesn't look like a transformed man he looks like a giant organic plant do you guys feel the same way absolutely he definitely um i mean the tubers are the things that that get me the most but 
Um, it's not a tuba. It's it's one of those things where I I wonder if, um, because we'll we'll get into it as and and we sort of got into it when we um, discussed the the twenty first issue a while back, and um, I wonder if with Bernie's original take that, um, and I haven't read any of those issues in, in so long, so that's definitely tell me if I'm way off base, but maybe Bernie was thinking of it as, as him still being a man under there and not just a right. walking plant. So I, I don't think maybe, and I'm absolutely not speaking for the man, but I would think that yes, cause this is the next level and this would be a way to, to absolutely um, evolve him to this. But um, knowing the way Bernie works on things and and the level of detail he puts into it, um, I don't think he'd shy away from it. I just don't think he and Len thought about it to this extreme. Right, right. And you look at everything else that surrounds Wrights and Swamp Thing, everything else is rendered to the nth degree. When when Arcane comes in and the Unmen and you have just the, the, the flora and the fauna around Swamp Thing and the the architect the buildings and just everything is just rendered with that that rights and flares super detailed. But then Swamp Thing himself is almost low key. He's smooth and he has you know the, here and there there's a root you know crisscross like um, uh, delineating around his muscles and stuff. So I mean it's a beautiful look, but it's not. And the shading is is super detailed, but he didn't. <laughs> he didn't go very deep into right. what what he could have done, but again, maybe that maybe that was at Len's behest. I don't know, where it was just a man who was transformed by the bio restorative formula and a human being that has been changed by an outside force mixing with the fire. Blah blah blah. Um, but the beset and total Ben version is just godlike and. And um, the the, lay, the visually the book is is out of its time period because to me to these eyes it looks like sixty psychedelia by way of Graham Ingalls the the EC artist um, very dense very detailed but there's a sixties vibe to it like and and I know this is going to be trite to say this there's a flower power vibe coming from this thing the the typography the way they they um, insert it into the the composition much like will eisner did with the spirit where you'll have the swamp thing title you know floating on the surface of water or it's 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 spread across the boughs of a tree or you know in the it's in the roots of a tree and just finding novel and and neat little ways of inserting the title into the the actual composition um but the rest of it like when Later on in the book, when we get into Woodrow and his adventures in the green, I mean, it looks like an underground comic from the 60s and 70s. It's it's all over the place. The layout is just chaotic as hell. And it's so loose and free. And there's shit all over the place, different styles. And it, it, to my eyes, it looks like a, a psychedelic interpretation of Graham Ingalls from the EC comic uh, days. Um, I don't know what, what you guys think, but uh, it just blows me away. And it's great to revisit this every so often because, you know, memory is fleeting and, and the, the just the magnitude of what they did, it fades over over time, at least in, in with my old mind. 
So the fact that the the patrons pick this as the book of the month, man, I, I was so it, mm-hmm. I was very glad that they did because it was it was a joy to revisit it. Well, speaking of that, um, we uh, we should talk about our experiences with the book. I presume you read this off the off the shelf. Well, brief confession. Mm. Um, I had soured on Marty Pasco's take. On oh, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. And it I, was it was a very poorly selling. Yes, and I did not buy um, nineteen, twenty, and twenty one. And then when uh, Alan became the cause celebre, and everybody was raving about what he's doing on Swamp Thing, I was like, shit. And by the time I tried to get nine, uh, twenty, and twenty one, especially twenty one, was going for big bucks. And there was no way I was going to pay $80 for it. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. um, I waited until it was collected. And for to this day, I do not have a, co- a, a copy of issue 20. Okay. 21. I don't mm-hmm. have – I have reprints in this hardcover and I have, um, you know, the other things it was published in. But I, I think it was published in the DC Digest mm. as like the, the best stories of the year. They used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I do not have a, a single issue of, of number 21. Mm-hmm. And it's stupid to try and get it now because it's even more expensive. Sure. Uh, Dap, what about you? Um, I've read issues here and there. Um, it was – Swamp Thing was never – even even with more, even with um, – I mean, looking at it now that I'm older um, – I'm absolutely drawn, no pun intended, to to the art. It, it's it's very um, visually. It's a striking book. It's it's it pleases my eye. But back then, I was more into. Oh, I still am, but but back then, it was it was about the continuity. It was about the action. It was about the superheroics. Um, and and there wasn't a whole lot. Not that I want to say the Swamp Thing was a thinking man's book, but. Um, what what Allen and company were doing was was kind of not quite, but sort of the opposite of what always drew me to comic books. And 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 I'd see the house ads, and whether I'm I was picking up various issues of a Superman title or the Teen Titans, but it was never um, it it never. I, I guess if I say keeping my attention, that 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 sounds like it does it a disservice, but it never. It was never a book where I'm like, okay, I got to see what's going on in the Bayou this month. And, and it was just, um, so I knew about it. I, you know, I'd, I'd read the character, whether he shows up in DC Comics Presents or um, he just uh, meanders around in the background somewhere. But no, I, it, something was never a book, even when it was rebranded and under the Vertigo line, it was never a, um, it was never a title that that made it on any sort of monthly poll list. I so random issue here and there, and 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 that didn't help um, explain anything because now I'm walking into a story that's been going on for a few months, and um, it's it's not you don't get the um, you really didn't get the the editor's notes that you would get over at Marvel. You could walk into a random issue of a Chris Claremont book. And he writes it so that, you know, you automatically know who everybody is, what they do uh, within the first couple of pages. And um, 
Alan wasn't writing that kind of comic book. So it was never, it was very rarely from, I didn't have a chance to kind of get a foothold and, and follow along from that point. So um, it was just a book that I figured I'd get to as time goes on. Yeah, because in issue uh, 20, they don't, he doesn't tell you who Matt Cable was and why he's the way he is and who Liz Tremaine is and why she's so important to the story. And he, he just picked it up from where Marty dropped it. Right and, and continue and the story. walk into him looking for Arcane. Oh, I found your dead body. And yeah. then there's a there's a spaceship, and I'm like, okay. I mean, that's and that's cool, and and things like that. That's I don't I didn't need my hand held, and 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 you didn't have to connect every dot. I I don't mind being dropped into something and picking up clues to to see where things go. And you know, yeah, yeah, you can look for things digitally or collected and and read it from the beginning, but. Um, I had no problem reading issue 20 and going, okay. And, and plus, you know, Len explains, Alan is just tying everything together so he can move on and tell his story and, and start his story. And so I, I had that knowledge once I turned the first couple of pages. But, yeah, I mean, you just, okay, you know, Swamp Thing is thinking to himself and how he's looking for Arcane. And I saw the body and um, obviously just finding a body as – this collection will um, lead you to believe just because Swampy found a body does not mean um, it is what it is. My the reason why Swamp Thing was always something I was interested in um, and probably my first real hardcore introduction to the character is that Wes Craven movie and, and mm-hmm. watching and, and thanks to Adrian Barbeau, but watch, I, I can never, you know, whether they're all sitting at the table and, and, and arcane is experiments on one of his henchmen who all of a sudden just becomes that little dwarf looking dude or, or swamp thing is, is chained up in the dungeon and he's just trying to stretch his little twig left of an arm. So his arm can grow. i these are things that I just, and I could watch that mm-hmm. movie probably again, anytime. Um, but I was like, that's even with the third ox crazy looking costume, it's still, that's, that, that's not my swamp thing, but that's, that's what kind of drew me to the character initially. Yeah. It's not very faithful to the comic, but no, 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 it's a fun movie. Um, and Adrian Barbo's boobs. So yes. Yeah. Sure. No doubt. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I mean, no surprise because I wasn't really much of a DC guy. I didn't, I didn't read this off the shelves. I, uh. I'm pretty sure I read it in like 2012-ish, maybe, which I think is when that these hardcovers started coming out. Yep. I remember I ordered. I just started ordering the hardcovers when they. So I have them all, all the Alan Moore Swamp Thing hardcovers. But um, so yeah. So and then I reread this volume two years ago, and we talked about uh, issue 21. But so I've read. This is the third time I've read this volume. But I actually haven't read. I don't think I've read like I'm still pretty sure I haven't read the fifth or sixth volumes of, of even though I own them, of the Ellen Moore Swamp thing. Hmm. So I well, should this, get on that. This was my go-to book. It was the first thing I would read every month. Nice. Yep. There you go. Wow, that's, um, that's strong words. Yeah, and I stayed with it right until the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, barring issues twenty and twenty-one, I have the entire run. Yeah. And. Um, it was. It would be the thing that I would pluck out of my stack first. From the time when it just said sophisticated suspense to the time it jumped to vertigo, right. and we should pour one out 
a little bit for Vertigo while we're on the subject because uh, DC officially shuttered. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's ironic that this sparks that mention because, as you noted, this is a weird thing because this is considered a Vertigo book now, and in canon, all of any time it's reprinted, it's Vertigo, but. It was not a Vertigo book. I mean, it, it and became, it's sort of ret- retconned into a Vertigo book, which is a little weird, but. It came up, um, it, from last week when, when I mentioned the Screamer miniseries and, right. and Mario chimed in on the episode thread and he, he bought the six issues as they were coming out. And, um, because it's, because it was published in 1989 is not a Vertigo book. And, when they reprinted it and, and put it together in a trade that had the Vertigo brand on it. Yeah. But it, it, um, I always, and, and maybe it's because, you know, Swamp Thing started in, in the, uh, Alan Moore came on in the eighties. And, uh, I always think Vertigo actually launched earlier than it did. I, it, 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 I still can't, whether it's, it's a distance in, in time thing and, and, how many years have gone by and how old I am now, but I never consider Vertigo starting in like the early nineties. It, it's always a late eighties yeah. imprint for me. Well, it's also interesting because um, I, I guess we should also mention up front cause it's probably in the history of comics, super significant. Uh, this was Alan Moore's first U S comic work. Yep. Um, yeah. And again, when you think about Vertigo and you think about Karen Berger, and the British, um, you know, revolution, you know, bringing in all these fantastic British creators with Alan Moore leading the way. Uh, I think a lot of people mistakenly assume that Karen Berger is responsible for Alan Moore coming to the U.S., but not at all. It's like you said, it's Len Wein had had was working with Moore on some of the U.K. books and brought him over. So really, even though Karen Berger certainly is the epicenter and the heart and soul of Vertigo, I mean, you know, one could argue there would not be Vertigo if it wasn't for Len Wein. Truth. Casting the Alan Moore uh, 20-sided die. So, And the origin, the origins of the imprint began with titles that were already in publication. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, um, Sandman. I think it, the first Vertigo title was the uh, Death, High Cost of Living miniseries by Gaiman and Pacello. That was mm-hmm. the first Vertigo book proper. And gotcha. then, you know, then it just erupted from there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I have a very, very soft spot in my heart for Vertigo. They were... Who doesn't? I they, mean, I mean, yeah. uh, Doom Patrol rivaled, at one point, when Morrison was on the book, Doom Patrol rivaled Swamp Thing. I, I there were times when I didn't know which one to read first, but I would always go to Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved. Yeah, the I was, <laughs> was, I was heated. I felt I didn't, I didn't feel like it was a bait and switch, but I, I jumped on to, I bought that first issue of Doom Patrol because Steve Lytle was the artist. He was the penciler on the book, and I loved them on Legion of Superheroes. So I'm like, yes. I'll get in on this. I know the Doom Patrol connection from the New Teen Titans, so I'm like, it's the first issue. I'll get it on the ground floor type thing. And all of a sudden, a couple issues later, here's Eric Larson, and I'm like, the fuck? I don't know what the hell was going on. And it was fitting for this book, but it wasn't. It wasn't what I signed up for. And it was just it. It when 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 
the time came to make some cuts, I was like, well, I'm not. I didn't realize, obviously, at the time that this would be a creator that, you know, I absolutely adore whatever he puts on paper. But uh, back then, young and dumb. So it's just one of those things where I this is way too out there for me. And I probably if I didn't bounce when Eric came on, I probably would have once Morrison and and Case and everybody were doing their thing. So it, it, it probably wasn't up my alley back then anyway. Um, but well, yeah, for I, what I it's do. worth, the, the Morrison case crawling from the wreckage on era is infinitely better than what came before. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I do. Not doubt it. I mean, you know how much I love Eric Larson, but that sure. was, that was young and dumb Eric Larson. And he still had. He also wasn't writing it. It was still. Was it still? Was it Levitz or was it? I think it was Levitz. Yeah. No, I mean he had wrinkles to iron out in his in his approach, which is fine. And I mean the art was was completely serviceable, but he wasn't the Eric Larson we know now, yes, obviously. Right. But just conceptually, story wise, and the Morrison's Doom Patrol, the book came into its own when Morrison came on it. Mm-hmm. I, I think anyway. I, I enjoyed the Lytle stuff. And sure. before, but it was he was like, yeah, okay, this is fine. But it was that was more his his style was more of a superhero book in Doom Patrol. Maybe initially they wanted it that, but that's not what the Doom Patrol is. So I don't think I don't think Steve was the right it, as the stories were going to get a little crazier. I don't think Steve would have been the right fit anyway. Mm-hmm. Right, and pe- people probably don't realize how many amazing creators that are at the forefront of industry today. I think the writers people can rattle off, like you know, you people know. Morrison and 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 more and and Gaiman and stuff, but like you said, Bacello, I mean, um, uh, Bisley, Guy uh, Guy Davis, Duncan Fergredo, um, they were all early Vertigo artists. Yeah, yep. uh, Sean Phillips, remember on Kid Eternity? Yep, Steve Pugh. That had to be close to his. Fir- I mean, Sean Phillips isn't that old. That had to be close to one of his first big published work, if not his first work. So yeah, I mean, no, I mean, definitely pour one out. I. I mean, I think without question, I, I Vertigo gave me more of my all-time favorite series than any other imprint. That's Fred, right. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like it's. I mean, Invisibles, Preacher, Transmet, Hundred Bullets, Scott, uh, Hellblazer. Yeah, Why the Last Man, DMZ, Fables. I mean, I, it's it's ridiculous. I soured on Vertigo once they strayed from the original mission statement the original vertigo was off kilter and gothic and horror tinged and um experimental and then when i think it was around the time hundred bullets started i was like "Mm, this is a little too off the beaten path for me and i mean i enjoyed it but then uh, it just steamrolled, like Scalped and all the other books that, that followed in the wake of, of 100 Bullets. It, it, it was like they were betraying the original impetus for Vertigo. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I respect yeah. your view. I, I, I couldn't disagree more in the sense that 100 Bullets and Y and DMZ and Fables are, I think, some of the best comic series of all time. Sure. Scalped, uh, Scalped well, also. Fables fits with the original Vertigo. Yeah. But I don't think – well, and and – more or less why but then you know like i said scalp but no but, but scalp and 100 bullets that feels like something that um 
Brian and Jason could have self-published it at Image. They didn't necessarily have that. That I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Right. It's it, it's it's def- and yeah, and I mean even even with the boys, I don't think the boys would have. Um, I'm I'm glad the boys ended up going to. Um, I mean, maybe not necessarily dynamite, but I'm glad that you know it, Vertigo DC obviously saw that they it wouldn't have I guess fit in that in in that mold. So it it I was fine with the boys leaving. Um, Transmit, of course, was was the the Helix book initially, but I mean even that that I think fit uh, in the Vertigo mold. But that's kind of maybe a little close to the line for me. Yeah, I loved Helix, but we're getting off topic here. We, we are, are. yeah. yeah. So this let's. Isn't a uh, Vertigo uh, uh, book of the month, but right. Let, let's let's shout out to them for sure. So issue, it begins with issue twenty, and issue twenty is Alan tying up a lot of the dangling threads that has had been left by Mister Pasco. Um, you have Sunderland, who's trying to eliminate everybody who knows the truth. And about- just real quick to your point, a lot of the. Um- the original uh, trades of this didn't include this issue, right? Right. They didn't want people to uh, jump in at the end of Pasco. They just wanted to, because so a lot of people think of Alan Moore's seminal run as starting with twenty one when he gets to start telling his own story. But, but I'm glad that they threw it back in. And he plants yeah. the seeds in issue mm-hmm. twenty um, appropriately enough. Uh, so all of Sunderland's dirty deals, they had tied him to the original. Um, accident with the biorestorative formula and he set the whole thing in motion um so the the those targeted include matt and abby cable liz tremaine and the creature once known as alec holland so we're going to call him that for right now and he sends a team down to virginia to clean up the mess right uh it's established that matt and abby are having problems in their marriage and it's not explicitly detailed but matt once worked for the government and uh, he was at a crossroads because they gave him an ultimatum you can continue what you're doing if you don't marry that that uh abby arcane or you know if if you marry her we're gonna you're gonna have to leave and they do um electroshock therapy on him and they fuck up his his mind but in the process he can project mental thought forms what he's doing, he's not hallucinating in, in these issues. He's actually projecting those mental thought forms that are semi, semi-solid. And when the female things are doing things to him, they're really doing them to him. So it's not just him, you know, flights of fancy having this outlandish dream. It's really going on, right? Um, and Liz Tremaine was a journalist who was working on the story of Alec and Linda Holland's quote death and everything that happened. So she's a target. And uh, so then the whole gist of the first issue is Swamp Thing coming to terms with Anton Arcane's apparent demise. Uh, He'd been a thorn in how many plant metaphors can we use in this episode? (laughs) He he had been a thorn in, uh, Alex side for for years even going back to the original run and he finally i mean arcane's ship smacked into the side of a mountain and he swamp thing needed that closure he needed to see the body because no body no death so he he goes to the side of the wreckage and it's more it's a joker batman type moment when um batman firmly acknowledges that 
the Joker is his reason for being. He, the Batman is defined by the Joker and the Joker is defined by Batman, at least in present continuity. Um, and this is the same thing with Anton Arcane and, and Alec Holland, where um, each one became who they were in a sense because of the other the other's involvement, like the arch nemesis defines the hero, right? And that's, um, it almost ends up there, except for uh, uh, Sunderland's shock troops encounter Swamp Thing and still thinking that he was a man who had been transformed into something other than a man. They put a bullet in his brain and Swamp Thing goes down, apparently dead as if a bullet could kill a plant. But he doesn't know that now. We're, we're, I'm getting ahead of it. So Swamp Thing goes down, and that's where the issue ends. And it, it's just, like we, as we said, it's just a beautifully rendered little tidy package where everything that had come to, uh, to a head in the previous issues is just, you know, wiped clean, more or less. And then Alan starts his... He, he, in, by bringing down the Swamp Thing with a bullet... And apparently killing him, he leaves it open for what comes next. And this is 21's um, anatomy lesson. Any comments on this first issue, uh, either pro or con? I um, and it's illustrated by I mean, Shane Day, even, by the way. Yes, and and um, total binge views is is right. Um, so it's still it definitely still. Um, I mean, maybe. Swampy might be a little um, cleaner, but it's um, there's still everything's still total. Been I'm not gonna say he's heavy handed, but there's <laughs> a visual consistency throughout this volume because um, what Totalbin does to uh, today's pencils. But the um, no, like I said, even even kind of just being dropped into uh, the wrap up of what came before. I don't have a problem with that. Um, so I no. the only, um, yeah, the only con is, is not being in there from, uh, from jump. But other than that, I have, I have no problems. I think total bin is extremely heavy handed. <laughs> uh, he transforms <laughs> everything he works on. You can tell when John total has done the, yeah. he's, uh, yeah. He's in that. Uh, he's a cleaner, Klaus Jensen or uh, or or uh, Tom Palmer. And he uses this sawtooth pattern that I absolutely love, where he'll lean on the pen to get a thick. He'll start off nice and thin, and then he leans on the pen to get a thicker line. Then he pulls up on the pen to to finish it out in a thin line, and he does that. He he'll layer shadows with the thick part of the progression. It's just amazing what he does. Uh, but it's completely transformative. You would not be able to tell that this was Dan Day if it didn't say so in the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I said that. Gene Day before. Got, you uh, did. Rest his soul. This is Dan Day. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the thing that... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. No, I was going to say that uh, we know because we've, we, we, we've all read it that the next issue we find out the big reveal that Swampy is you know, sentient plant life, not actually... Alec Holland, but I thought that in rereading this, and maybe I'm looking for it now, because, so maybe it wasn't there intentionally, but um, in the uh, in the visuals where Swampy shot, 
and he gets shot in the head. Um, you know, right, right through, they show the, the, the blowback pattern right through the back of his head. But the next page, with the hole in his head, he's, he's looking at, like, he's looking at his hand, like, oh, I just got, like, I just got shot in the head. You know, like, in, it looked to me like he's kind of coming to terms with this idea of, like, oh, I, I guess I'm, like, I guess I'm dead. You know, and then he, and then he clumps over. So, it, yeah. again, it's like he's telling himself, like, oh, I just got shot in the head. I'm dead. But it's not like, but really, it didn't really kill him. You know, no. it didn't. Because a human would be conditioned to think if they had a hole in their forehead, yeah, they would yeah. be dead. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's I a nice. That was a, a, a nice touch. It's a, a it's touch. a great moment, right? Yeah, it's a great page. Yeah. Um, I I loathe symmetry. Symmetry bugs the shit out of me, and sure. there there are a lot of spreads in this issue that have that just illustrate symmetry. Uh, whether so it's does that? That's interesting because, I mean. What, I don't know how you can like Watchmen is uh, all about symmetry, so it's expertly done in Watchmen. Sure, Th- this yeah. is this is just a flopped image. Oh, you mean just the vi- oh? I, so you don't mean like sym- symmetry no, conceptually? Oh no, I don't mind the concept of oh, symmetry. Okay, That's okay, awesome. Okay. It's yeah. uh, visual symmetry annoys the shit out of me. Um, and you have. Uh, Matt Cable's drinking problem. There's a bottle that's yeah. that's flopped. The, you you have the uh, eagles. the eagles on every corner. It looks like a friggin' Monopoly board. Yeah, uh, I wasn't a fan of that really. Um, and and then the again the but it's not quite symmetry. But mm-hmm. the the same visual motif is used with the 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 bird on another spread. But the the as far as the concept of symmetry goes, I loved the. Um, Trans the the balls that hang I don't even know what they're called mm. that that hang from the threads and yeah. when 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 you smack the 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 lineup with the first ball it trans it it transfers the force yeah, one of those little desk toys yeah to the last that concept is amazing to me that he would conceive of that because what is the con what's what's the theme of what he's about to do he's transferring the the I- idea of the swamp thing from one section would, which would be Alec Holland to the plant um, thing that event that he eventually becomes. And I just thought like, why did he actually, how did he, did he conceive of that? I think it's a brilliant metaphor for what's going on in, in his, in not only in this issue, but what comes next where he's transferring the identity of, of Alec Holland or the, the thing that was Alec Holland into another shell which is amazing mm-hmm. and uh the way Sunderland just goes in and just disrupts it by by holding on to the first ball and everything after goes willy-nilly crazy that's exactly what happens Sunderland steps in and shit hits the fan people die or they were you know attempted to 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 die, to kill them and it's just it's just an amazing amazing visual motif that he uses that just illustrates what he's going to do and that brings us to issue 21 one of the best single issues ever. I don't ever. care. I don't care what anybody says. Um, it begins um, in the Sunderland oh. camp, where he pulled uh, Jason Woodrow out of incarceration to have him get to the root of what happened with this biorestorative formula. It shouldn't have accomplished what it did. It shouldn't have had any effect. On Alec Holland because Alec Holland is 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 meat. He's 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 human. 
He's flesh. This thing should not have worked on him. They they dug up the remains of Holland's wife, Linda. And while her uh, remains did show traces of the biorestorative formula, it didn't do anything to her, uh, anything that could you know be perceived. And that could be a really cool um, future storyline should anyone go back and say, well, she was exposed to the biorestorative formula, but it could be like a time release effect in her because she wasn't exposed to the fire like Alex, Alec Holland was. And so that'd be a neat future thread. But anyway, whatever. Um, so, and I'm looking at this Saul Bass inspired anatomy lesson graphic, which uh, if we know that Steve Bissett is a huge movie fan. Mm-hmm. He loves the cinema. He's written in countless periodicals about the cinema. Uh, the anatomy lesson graphic on the bottom of this page is entirely inspired by Otto Preminger's Anatomy of a Murder. And that's Saul Bass's work. And I know for a fact that Steve Bissett knows that that's what it is. Uh, or that was the inspiration for it. So um, here we are. Jason Woodrow is pulled into the the Sunderland camp. He's He has a, a, a goal to come to terms with what happened in conjunction with Alec Holland's body and this bio-restorative formula. And he's he's charged with dissecting him. You know, let's cut him up and see what's going on. Why did this work? Um, Sunderland is entirely dismissive of Jason Woodrow and his his credentials. He doesn't really give a shit. But but he knows that this is the guy. If anybody's going to find out, this is the guy that's going to get to the the whys and the wherefores. Um, and he asks Woodrow to you know for his credentials, and his credentials are removing the the flexi skin that he covers his body with because his uh his true form does not look human he's he's a, a plant human hybrid and this happened in flash 245 way back in flash 245 which was the first appearance of Jason Woodrow as the floronic man he used a chemical concoction to transform himself into a plant human hybrid and he was used in other things but more took it and ran with it as is Alan Moore's tendency to do. Um, and so, uh, Woodrow gets down to business and he stymied at first. He's cutting him up and he's like, all right, he's got lungs, but they, they don't actually work. They, they don't, they don't in, in, inhale. He doesn't inhale. He doesn't breathe. What, what the hell is, are these, these lungs for? And then he, he gets, he's like, well, He's got a heart, but there's no circulation. There's no circulatory system. It's not pumping blood or anything, or, or even sap. There's the, all these these organs that mimic the human body are extraneous. They don't do anything. So why are they there? And he's like, all right. And he goes to the planaria worm, and he he remembers a a study done on the planaria worm where one planaria was taught to navigate a maze successfully. And they uh, rewarded this planaria by cutting it up and feeding it to other planaria. And wouldn't you know, all of the planaria that ingested the the planaria that did successfully navigate the maze were able to navigate the maze without being coached. And he it, it, more brings in the fact that in in ancient civilizations, um, the victors would eat the the brains or the bodies of those they vanquished in order to get their memories and their their skills 
which be that as it may. And uh, Sunderland's like, yeah, whatever. Just what does that mean? Like, I don't, I'm not a smart dude, but I'm rich and fucking influential, but I don't need to be smart. You just tell me what I need to know. And he's like, uh, Sunderland pisses off the Floronic man. And he sets in motion the the means of, of Alex, or now, no, Alex, uh, Swamp Thing's escape, where he turns up the heat on his cryogenic um, e- experiment. And Swamp Thing eventually comes out of it, and he just so happens to look at Woodruff's findings, and Woodruff's findings was that Alec Holland died in the fire. And because he was immersed in plant life, the plants absorbed all of the the gray matters, whatever was going on in Alec Holland's gray matter. The plants absorbed it, and the plant thought it was once a man. The consciousness was so strong and so pervasive that the plant was convinced that it at one time had been a man. And Swamp Thing, as would anyone, he wigs out. He fucking goes ballistic and and um, eventually kills Sunderland, which was great. It's a great moment. And uh, in the beginning of the issue, uh, Woodrow's looking at the uh, a, a wind rain, uh, a rain spattered pane of glass, and he's like, "Yeah, this is going to end with you pounding on the, the the window and blood." And that's exactly what happens. Um, he has, he's a little bit prescient in that uh, regard, but um, this issue is. Like I said, I, I think it's absolutely perfect comics. The The concept is just flat out brilliant. And you could say, oh, yeah, you know, Alan Moore comes in and, oh, the, uh, Alec Holland was never a man. It was a plant that thought it was a man. Yeah, wow. Isn't that, isn't that deep? It's fucking brilliant. Like, no one else thought of this. Definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, Alan Moore had to come in and, and he's just like, he, he gets hired for this job by Len Wein and... um he just completely reinvents the character in a way that has never been done before. And this mm-hmm. is not along the lines of Wolverine having canine whatever. Like, no, th- this no, is not a tweak no. just for the sake of tweaking it. He he completely reinvents the character in a way that had set the stage for everything to follow. I mean, I mean you know, he had to know about planarian worms. Mm-hmm. He had to know... The, the the strange trait with which you already discussed of absorbing one one's consciousness or memory, and then he had to put that into the idea of well wait a minute we could make this about swamp thing too because he's plants I mean like there were so many leaps of connective tissue in his knowledge base that he had to put together in a narrative in his second month on the job it's pretty ridiculous. It, it's it's and okay. honestly, I mean, listen. It I think it's probably trite for our listeners in that we take Alan Moore for granted now, and and we'll often say you know greatest ever or one of the greatest ever, whatever. Um, but like this is the stuff. Like this this ten year window starts here, and it's like this is why most of us think he's the undisputed greatest writer in comics history. Right, right. It's you know? pretty outlandish to take a an origin that was beloved among an admittedly medium-sized group of of fan you know fans mm-hmm. and just say nah mm-mm, 
that's not that's not what really happened this is and and conceptually it it's it's not even a reach it's just like it it the the possibility of this being the case is totally believable yeah that you you would never have to convince me um otherwise but and it's the first issue kudos to uh Bissett and Totalbin it's the first issue where they really explore swamp things corporeal form mm-hmm. he looks like he's a mess yeah. he's got roots and leaves and and moss and lichen and everything just he's uneven and asymmetrical he's, it's amazing what they did um but not only that i mean there are some really horrifying images in this thing when um they're recounting uh woodrow's recounting what happened to him when he sunk into the 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 mire and the muck and you get this skeletal form of Alec Holland. It's just, it's just gruesome as hell. But it's mm. so beautiful. Yeah, this is landmark, yeah, I mean, it, landmark comics. Yeah, I mean this. Uh, right, I agree. I mean this is a, this, this is as perfect a comic as you can get. And isn't it interesting that you have a situation here where, how often it's so it's so fascinating to me how history repeats itself, which is that writers come aboard. And often do their breakout or best work when they're given a character that they don't have pressure with. Because this wasn't a big book. Len Wein brought him over because the book was floundering and wasn't selling. And so there wasn't this pressure to deliver a massive hit. He could just do whatever he wanted, basically, because anything was going to be better from DC's perspective than what they had. Right. And, you know, you think about that's happened so many times, right? I mean, just recently, I mean, Tom, Tom did it with the vision, right? And he did it with Mr. Miracle, you know what I mean? Like, like no pressure, right? Because these are characters that the higher-ups don't really care enough about that if you do something crazy and it doesn't hit. Oh, well, so be it. Um, burn, Claire, you know, well, no, not burn, but... but yeah, I mean, well, but Claremont, I think, and then I think uh, that's fair. Yeah, Claremont. no, I was going to say, I mean, Burned st- it wasn't, you know, it was Claremont first that that, that I've, you have to give Claremont credit from Jump, you know, from Giant Size and whatnot. But but yeah, I mean, but like same thing. I mean, that was the book, right? The X Men was canceled; they were doing reprints, so there was no pressure. Like it was like they didn't they didn't. It wasn't like today where they would have they would have had it five months of previews and and pimping it and saying, oh, it's the best. This was like, oh, well, we got this book that hasn't sold for years so yeah. have at it right i think that's an and important it just distinction all the time it yeah so much what you said about five months of pimping it with with this um evil internet that we have where people condemn the thing even before it comes out like they'll judge yeah. months before the the thing is actually seen when this came out there was aside from amazing heroes and other things um there was really no uh preparation like you you sure we heard about it and wednesday at the shop yeah and there it was and it was a a a totally a total sea change from what came before that's why it it was so shocking well issue 22 in my then i had you know whatever but um there's one panel that i think is um beset and total bins homage to bernie and that's the the page where uh i believe it's 56 where um, Swamp Thing screams and he's running after Sunderland and he bashes through the doors 
and he has his arms yes, in, yes, in, a, yes, in, yes. In, a, in a V shape, that's total Wrightson. Bernie would, would definitely have drawn it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this is, it's such a beautiful, beautiful issue. And it's, it, I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say that page, it's another glimpse into why Alan Moore's the goat, right? Like the word, like I am thinking about the old man. I'm thinking about the cracking of his joints as he runs. I'm thinking of the terror in his ancient atrophied heart. We take this for granted now because comics writing has gotten more sophisticated thanks to this period in the 80s when when all of this stuff started to happen. But like this is ground zero, like this kind of this level of mature writing that's not spoon feeding you and assuming that you're a kid that needs to be regurgitated and told everything has happened before. And like his willingness to use adult concepts and metaphor and literary references and things that he's just presuming that you're a mature, intelligent adult who's going to get this is it's we take it for granted now because lots of comic writers do that, but they only all do it because he and a few others and really he first like did it and did it really well. Right. Like this is ground zero like this. This is why comics that we a lot of us now love to read the way they are. They're like that because of this, like this, you know, so. And there's nothing maudlin about the language or, or overdone um, in, in the, the eras leading up to this comic writers tended to overwrite <laughs> just to, you know, just to fill uh, yeah. a caption box or there, the, this is actually terse. And to the point, and he chooses his words so carefully. Um, this is a, hey, come on up to my level. It's not he's not talking down to his right, readers, exactly. but he's he's no, precisely. he's yeah. he's giving them all the, the the information and the tools they need to to rise up, which is I think what good writers do, right? Absolutely. And the, again, the motif of that, the balls again. It's when Swamp Thing smashes in into the he destroys the balls that was that and and mm-hmm. they you know it's like Sunderland you, your machinations are are over pal and those balls have Sunderland's face in them as as they had Woodrow's earlier right and on on page fifty and and this is when we talk about this issue and you know yeah it's it's wordy and and everybody's Everybody's got shit to say, and Alan is telling the story by it, and and the characters are narrating it. But this is one of those things where I don't normally, if I'm in love with the art, I don't want to see so many word balloons, so many so many caption boxes, and there are the times where if I love the writer. I just I want to read everything on the page, and I know that the the art is there to move the story along, but that's really not why I'm there. But this is a beautiful marriage of both. I I, I take my time. I read what's on the page, every word coming out of everybody's mouth or whatever Swamp Thing is thinking, and I am looking at every single line. From Bissett and Tobin, and I, I, and and even, and I had to double check that yes, that it was it was a Bissett and Tobin issue because that page with Sunderland kind of 
talking down to him. He always talks down to him. But 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 with Woodrow's face and 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 that's still his balls. There's our that's that looks like a Veach panel to me more than anything else. And I just well, Veach had a hand in this too. He's not credited, but no, yeah, no, and, he and, is because he's even not in not in this issue. No, he's credited in the in the opening pages and, in the book. Right, and and he's also on the list of creators, and when it closes, but but this particular issue, he he isn't. I'm sure he had a hand, obviously. Well, but they're buddies, it's, yeah, right. Um, but no, I just, I mean, I'm, and and even when 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 Woodrow's standing there, kind of taking what Sunderland is saying, and and just and and the lines across, I just, I absolutely adore the art in yeah. this book. I'd lay money that that page is of each page. Without without question. Even even the hand down at the bottom in the yeah. middle of the page. It's yeah. it's the only thing that throws me off a little bit is is Woodrow's face. The nose and, and, and the well, line work going across with the shadows. But but I mean the mouth on the last panel, yeah, it's it's but it's just it's it's one panel with just with, with the plain bluish background for color and, and a word balloon. So it very well could be a um a Bissett and Total bin panel. Amidst a uh, in the middle of a, of a page, yeah, we don't. I mean, I, we, I'd love to ask him. Sure, and I love the last page homage to Alfred Hitchcock, with <laughs> with Sunderland being the Janet Lee of of the piece when she's when she's lying on the 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 floor of the shower and and he zooms in. That is that saying thanks, Alfred. That is powerful shit. It's beautiful stuff. So that was twenty one. Anything else before we move on to twenty two? No, and I think if without regurgitating what we've already discussed from um, from that theme episode way back when, but I, and and everybody's free to find to to grab it and hear us go deep on it again. But it yeah, it's it's a um, it's a fantastic um, issue. The only thing that um, and it's not about this particular issue. It's it's with the next issue and 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 the timeline in getting from Washington to um, to Louisiana in in the time it, it it took him to to get there. But this um mm. yeah this issue is uh, is because it's still summer. It, I mean it's it's summer in Washington when it's raining in twenty one, and then uh, in twenty two it's late summer. So you know I'll, I'll give him a couple of weeks, but. I don't know how fast Swamp. Not that he's got to stop to eat or drink or sleep, but I don't know how quickly he moves. In any event, 21 is, is as we've stated before, a, a perfect issue. Well, Yeah, he- two things. One, one, the episode that you're referring to was way back in episode 474. Way back. It was a, one of our early theme episodes, and uh, Vince brought, so lovingly brought uh, Anatomy Lesson to the table that day. Um and then I will say, and this may be controversial, um, I, I will say that I think the subsequent issues in this collection suffer on the margin from how good issue 21 is. I, I think the, the, this collection hits the, the, the crescendo and that it can't be done any better very early in the, in the book. And it... I don't. I don't. The word "suffers" isn't isn't right because I, I I enjoy what comes after, but but I don't think any of the other 
subsequent issues. It was all downhill from here. No, well, no, no. It's not downhill. I don't mean that's why I don't imply like right. it got to like I stopped liking it. But I'm saying like I do think that like it would have been impossible to maintain the level of creativity and flawless execution in 21. Beyond, you know, that's a hard thing to do. You can't you can't have many perfect tens. So, right. Well, that that's like saying, well, you just threw a, a no hitter. Your career's over. Well, that's what I'm saying. That, right? no, that's my point. Yeah. But I'm saying, but rereading it though, it it feels at least to me, it feels a little. What comes after in this collection feels a little more pedestrian than sure. Than I get, I get that. I get yeah. that. But when I mean, when you've just crafted one of the single best issues in all that's the comics, what I'm saying. it's yeah, tough. I, it's tough. That's what I mean. I'm not. I'm not insulting. Oh, I, I mean, I get I'm you. Not, yeah. And I don't think he hits that high until. The sex issue with when Abigail ingests uh, right. Swampy Swampy's tuber, I think that's the mm-hmm. next pinpoint or uh, the next high point of the series. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there there are others, but I believe that's the next one. But anyway, so issue um, twenty two, we have Swamp Thing. Uh, as David said, he lands in Huma, Louisiana, comatose. Um, because of the revelation that he just experienced that, yes, Alec Holland is dead, was dead, and that humanity that he was trying to uh, recapture can never be attained. He could never be human again because he never was human. Um, and he's comatose in the swamp, and it's raining, and there's water pooling in his eyes and, and nose hood, and it's just a beautiful image. Well, gruesome, but beautiful. Um and he he dreams. Swamp Thing is in this this vegetative state, haha. And, and he's dreaming about um, Linda and his humanity. And he's uh, carrying around a, a skeleton. He's he's holding, he's clutching that humanity close, and he's trying to keep it, and he can't. And um, Woodrow is is there as well, and he's uh, tending to his buddy. He thinks they are kindred spirits. They're anything but uh, Woodrow ingests the flesh much like communion of his uh his his god buddy and in doing so opens himself to the green he does a little experiment with a flower and he taps into the green and he can feel every blade of grass and he can he experiences the majesty of the redwoods and remember this is louisiana the redwoods are all the way on the other side of the continent and he uh, he feels the insects and the and the 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 fauna traipsing through the vegetation in the Amazon basin. Like he's he's connected to the network of the green, and he loves it. He's like he feels like he's arrived. Like this is my moment. I finally pierced the veil that I'm I'm no longer a human plant hybrid. I am of the green, and it's bullshit, of course. Um, and is is something happens to the human side of Jason Woodrow, and he he snaps and uses the green to come up with some cockamamie scheme to jump start all of the plants across the world. He wants to eliminate the meat, destroy the flesh, 
because he's the ambassador of the green and you guys have raped and pillaged your planet for far too long. If you continue, everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket. You're going to die. Plants are going to die. Everything's just going to die. You can't be allowed to continue this. I'm going to remove the cancer from the planet and the cancer is red. And so by jump-starting all of the plants to produce far more oxygen than they normally do, it will eventually eliminate all flesh from the planet. And that's that's basically the gist of issue 22. I've read a lot. I've read more than a few stories that have recently that have had Floronic Man in them. Most recently, the... Um, the Batman and Harley trend, Harley Quinn trade I mentioned last week and the way Woodrow is reacting and specifically starting in this issue, but that's what, that's how Ivy was behaving. And the reason why Harley called Batman on her to send her to jail because she's she too was losing touch with her humanity and just didn't want anything to do with people anymore and and it's all about the plants and um I obviously see those seeds to continue your pun list it it's one of those it, it it's definitely um something you could see from way back when, but it, it's, uh, it, yeah, I, I never, I never considered the Pharaonic man to be, it's like Dr. Light and identity crisis. I never, I never considered the Pharaonic man to be a character who could go to this level of, of intensity and insanity. And, and, um, so thanks Alan for that, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's, yeah, I just see it as, a random story where Florinic man fights Swamp thing and, and um, which obviously now is, is a, um, a rivalry that goes back decades, but you know, that's just a one-off story in, in a trade. And then earlier in that trade, we see how Ivy was behaving and, and it was just, um, it was weird to see a, a random connection um, a week or two apart like that. So thanks again, Alan. Yeah. Well, I mean, Floronic Man was a joke. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the majesty As of Alan. As was Dr. Light. I mean, the fucking right. Titans take him out all the time. So yeah, It's the majesty of, of a great writer that they can take laughable characters and transform them into real threats. Like, I mean, who, who would have thought that Dr. Octopus would have been the one who really takes out Spider-Man? Yeah. Right. Well, Dr. Light's a great example. I mean, right. Yep. He was a C-list villain and... Then it became one of the most reviled villains of of that generation of comics because yeah. of what he did. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the double page splash of Woodrow actually piercing the green um, is just gorgeous. Uh, oh, on, on, on on tons of different levels, and uh, you can see it. If you go to our website, 11o'clockcomics.com, and go to the episode thread, and there's a gallery, and this, among many others, this image will be in it, and you can just bask in the grandeur of this damn thing, because it is gorgeous. And uh, you mentioned uh, Bissett and Total Ben. They're a favorite 
team of mine, but they are anything but elegant. They go in with friggin' hammers. Yeah. There, uh, Total Ben does have an elegance to his inking, but it's not pretty. It's more like a, a rough-hewn elegance, uh, if that even makes sense. Um, th- there's a there's a real deafness to what he's doing. It's not easy to apply and release pressure with this kind of control that he has. He's definitely not Klaus Janssen. Like Klaus just slaps the ink down wherever mm. you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, Klaus is great, or Janssen. We've been pronouncing it wrong. Um, Wait, have we really? Yeah, it's yeah, Jan- it's Klaus Janssen. Janssen. When did this become a thing? There was a list online of of the commonly mispronounced. It's from an old Marvel Age or yeah. a stand, or a bullpen bulletins page yeah. where they they break down um, all the uh, not all but a bunch of commonly mispronounced. Yeah, Sinkevich uh, was things. in there. Yeah, and, he must have accepted it as Jansen at some point. Oh, that's, yeah, sure, I'm sure, because he's repped by Jason at Essential, and and they all call him Jansen. Yeah, well, it's it, probably like people who say Giro or Gyro or Giro. <laughs> yeah, <no>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you're talking about. They're right, all wrong, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> what is it anyway? Hero. Yep. Hero. Hero. Get Hero. Um, and, <laughs> and this is where uh, this leads to Woodrow transforming from Woodrow, one word, into Wood, wood hyphen Rue, the, the scourge of the meat and the, uh, the ambassador of the green who's going to make everything uh, better for the plants. And um, with issue 23, I think Alan Moore kind of closes the, the lid on future um, primacy of plants uh, stories by, you know, revealing that um, without humans, without the exhalation of, of carbon dioxide, plants would die. They would, right. with, they would wither and die. I mean, that's their oxygen. So... Future storylines concerning the, the primacy of plants are rendered redundant with this this um, ending to this first arc where uh, Swamp Thing is in the green and he's loving it, man. He's just swimming through the this network of, of this organic network and he's looking around. And he's like, I belong here. Yeah, you know, I, I may have been through the mill and, and – what I thought I was is not what I really am, but this is where I freaking belong. And he's, he's in the green and he notices something. He notices something red and it's like a cancer pervading the green and it's a foreign mind. And wouldn't you know it, it's Jason Woodrow's, well, it's Woodrow's mind in the green. And Woodrow surface uh, side begins to kill. He just starts killing flesh bags left and right. Bunch of kids are in a car and they're, you know, they're boozing it up and it, having a good time, and and he just annihilates them. He he strangles them. He he rips them apart. He just kills them, and um, he he goes through the motions and he's he's tearing up the town. He 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 kills the the uh, chief of police, I think, and he goes, "Yo, kid, you got a video camera?" and and he wants his escapades documented he wants to alert the media like this is going down you guys have no recourse you have no there's no way out of this you're all gonna die and uh he makes the big mistake of going after abby 
and Abby's, as we know, is very close to Swamp Thing. Uh, she was very close with Alec, and she still calls him Alec. Uh, she, I don't think she's really come to grips with the fact that Alec is no more, but this this thing is now her her best friend. And um, there's a section that really doesn't go anywhere, where uh, the the tape is sent to the media. And people start preparing. They, 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 they cut down the vegetation around their homes. Um, there's a magnolia tree that was very sentimental to this couple. And the, the, uh, the husband chops it down. I mean, it was, I don't want to say cute. It was poignant, but I don't really think it mattered in, in, in terms of the story. Um, and Swamp Thing comes face to face with Woodrow. And he's like, this is going to end right here. What is on beach what you what you're doing is wrong and uh, whenever it, it's a nice little visual cue that whenever Woodrow is doing his dastardly deeds the background is always red yeah and it's it's a, a very stark contrast once swamp thing enters the picture because as we know swamp thing is is shades of green and it's a beautiful counterpoint to the red uh, and it also to me says that Jason or Woodrow's humanity has not um, evaporated as much as he would like to think. He's still human. Whether or not the green has accepted him is, is, is uh, irrelevant. He, there's still a humanity to him. And that, I think, is illustrated by the red. It's neat. It's a beautiful issue. Issue tw- Anything to, to comment before we move on? Uh, I thought the rawness of the art here was was something to behold, and uh, it it also served as a reminder of how um, I, I wonder if we've not I wonder if over time mainstream comics have forgotten that it's okay to have startlingly different artistic styles. Sure, in books. You're right. Yep. Because it it just doesn't seem like we see many artists given the opportunity to to do something like this or what Sinkevich did with the you know it just doesn't doesn't seem to and I'm not even saying where it happens and it fails I'm saying I can't even think of too often when we when we get this kind of different unconventional art in a in a big two book now yeah well if you look at the the entirety of this issue there's not a lot of right angles. No, uh, on no. these on these panels at all. No. Um, they're very very few, and I think it takes a lot of forethought to come up with layouts like this, because diagonal panels more often than not are a bitch to pull off, because you don't have a lot of space with which to work. I mean, interior space within the diagonal, and you would not know it from from this book. I mean. All these panels are the composition is like dead on. There's one panel that I feels a little wonky in this entire book, and it's um, on page 101 when Abby. Oh, it's page Emma. Yeah, when Abby's like, I can't hold on. Oh God, Alec, and like her her face is her yeah. eye her eye is oh, way yeah. way uh, how big her mouth is. Right yeah, but yeah, the yeah. panel right underneath that, the next. Oh one yeah, it's beautiful. Is gorgeous, and then so that's one of the pages that I love about this issue. The next page, page sixteen or page one hundred two, um, the story of Luther going home 
killed me because I mean he kills his lawn or throwing out their plants he's chopping up the tree that that uh, that that he carved the love of his life's theme on and 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 you can see his face and I just that you know because because Luther Galen wasn't a young man the job took a long time but I mean all this happened and after he watched that video he just needed to destroy any plant life whatsoever around his little sphere in his world um he panicked he did absolutely yeah. and, and the uh and i guess ahead. you could say that it okay maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong maybe it does factor i mean it it's it's significant in terms of the story but i don't know maybe it's just too maybe it's just too real for me like yes people would do this and and it's smacked that it's 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 that moment in a story where it just it slows it down a little bit because we either need to get our hero to a certain spot or um you just have to slow it down because you're going to get amped up again um before it's over but yeah it it's it wasn't like it didn't end the issue it's just it's it's before the issue ends but it is um it's it's yeah like you said it's it's probably feels the most real thing in in the story and um yeah we've we've seen people react or overreact and uh oh overreact yeah jason woodrow i mean woodrow himself he's so flamboyant and he's he's pontificating and, and proclaiming i am this and i am that and i will destroy and he's his hands are up and you could tell that he he's like freddie mercury at live aid he's he's just this this doing pirouettes and and it, he's so over the top and he's so full of himself too that oh, yeah. he, when he offers um he gives an offering to swamp thing and swamp thing's like no bro i'm t- i'm taking you out because this is not wrong or this is the, this is not right <laughs> the uh the 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 last page the first panel on the last page of the issue which is 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 it is an image at dc used quite a bit back then but oh it's on uh, the cover when you take oh, the dust you take the dust oh okay out, okay it's embossed and um spot varnished right on the cover that's hot okay yep but yeah did this the, this issue had um had some killer images yeah and i do remember the cover for issue 24 when um when that uh when that came out but I was like, "Hey, the Justice League," and it, but I, or again, not. though, it's yeah, really, it's sort of, kind of. It's it's <laughs> like in this issue, it's a Marvel issue where this this the, this image this cover does not happen in the issue. Um, but again, because it's it's the Justice League, and when I think of the Justice League, even post Dick Dillon, where where you have either um, Don Heck or George Tuska or. Um, well, this is before Chuck Patton, sort of, maybe. Uh, but when I think of the Justice League, yeah, I think of the characters from Justice League of America number two hundred, and and everybody is, you know, big and broad, and and they look like superheroes from comic books, and the way um, they're drawn on the cover, and when we see them, um, more or less in in I think the next issue, but they they look more like people wearing outfits, and and not that that's that's not a turn off, but it's just it's it's so different than what I'm used to with superhero comics. I disagree. I think in issue twenty four, more renders the Justice League like gods. 
he positions them. Does. Yeah, he positions them in the heavens, them. right? Oh yeah, and he even and he talks about them being the overseers. He says that there's a guy that can squeeze anthracite into diamond. There's yes. a dude that is is his whole life is populated by statues. He's so friggin' fast. Yes. And they're rendered ineffectual. Even Superman can do nothing about this problem. They can't do a damn thing. They have no they have no ability to stop and, and for the Justice League to have no recourse at all to stop a threat, that's a big deal. Like not even Zatanna or Green Lantern could do anything. What do, and they said they in issue we're on twenty four now for you playing paying attention at home. Um they say, Firestorm, can't you just transform all the the excess molecules of, of uh oxygen into something else? And Superman's like, That's not gonna work. Because blah blah blah. You yeah. know? Um But the Justice League is monitoring the situation. They see what's going on. They deliberate. Zatanna has that stupid costume. Yep. And um, they there's really nothing they can do. And Ali just says, "Like what? Who? We, so we they, look- they, they, go ahead. No, no, do it. No, I was just saying. Yeah, the, and I'm going by their their images on the cover, but and like you said, the way Moore describes them doesn't necessarily that that's not really reflected in. And, and Total Bin's rendering of them. But it's still you see them, you know who they are. Even though even though Firestorm may look a little bit like um a a, a almost some something skeletorial type character with with the fight. It's just one of those things where when I when I if I were to flip through this, I'd be like, that's I'm not keen on the way this Justice League looks like. This this doesn't look like what Maguire is going to do later on, things like that. But as far well, as these guys aren't su- traditional superhero artists, that's what I'm saying. Right. Which is another reason why I wasn't necessarily drawn to Swamp Thing because I, I wasn't getting the superheroes and, and as great as they are at drawing Swamp Thing and the freaky Floronic man, that's just something else that, that didn't, that, that's on top of what didn't necessarily draw me to the comic when it was coming out. Well, Woodrow offers Swamp Thing a tribute. He's like, here, I'm going to give you this woman's life. This is my gift to you. Take it. And Swamp Thing's like, "Uh, I don't don't think so. And he he smacks him around, saves the woman. And Woodrow, in a beautiful panel that says everything you need to know about what's going on, he calls uh, Swamp Thing a traitor. And uses his connection to the green to pierce through Swamp Thing's chest. Uh, the battle escalates. The Justice League really have no ability to stem anything that's going on. And Swamp Thing basically lays it out. He's like, you are approaching this the wrong way. You cannot multiply the production of oxygen because without carbon dioxide, we die. And the green's like, what? The green is monitoring the situation through Woodrow. And once they realize that Swamp Thing's right, they cut off Woodrow from the green. Totally kick him out of the club. He's excised. And he, he immediately notices it. He can't feel those it's like red. Dudley Moore and Arthur, man. Yeah. 
he can't feel the redwoods anymore. Every blade of grass is not talking to him. He goes to that, that flower and he's, he's like, bro. And the flower's like looking up at him in one panel and the next it's like, <laughs> it's limp, limp is, like, uh, salt like Peter. Talk to the stamen, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just flips out. His, his majesty has been reduced to a commoner. In, in, in Swamp Thing, really, I mean, he bats him around a little bit, but this wasn't really a fight. He just lays it out and tells him, this is the way it is. You're, you're not, you, you're not thinking about this situation from a plant perspective. You're, you're still meat. You're still a man. And this is what a man would do. This is not what a plant would do. And, uh, the, the best part of the issue is when the Justice League, well, in the form of Superman and Green Lantern, they corral Woodrow and Woodrow makes with the, the flexi skin and he's so mutated at this point that the shit's just hanging off him. He's like, hey guys! And Superman's like, oh god, look at this freak. And um, he's like, hey buddies, yeah, uh, I'm a dude uh, because I, I broke my arm, you know, like humans do and, I, and it broke <laughs> and I was doing human things and it broke my arm. And, and, you know, I'm a doctor and stuff and, and, and I'm as human as you are. He's trying to adjust his, his fake hair. It's like ridiculously. It's so, oh my God. It, it, I feel nothing but joy looking at Woodrow trying to convince Superman and Green Lantern that he's a human. He's got the fucking demon flanges coming off the side of his head. He's a mess. His skin is all dripping. And Superman being, you know, the ambassador of hope. Just puts his cape around him like, like an old lady. Like, come on, little man. Let's take you home. This will protect you. We'll take you to Arkham. You'll, you'll fit in, really. <sighs> and and it all ends with Swamp Thing traipsing through the Louisiana Bayou. Just being completely at home, loving every ripple, every undulation of the, the green, every everything and he just the last page is just a magnificent page of him just embracing creation it's like singing now, the rain yeah We're now the show tunes thanks to our good friend mr scott anderson i found out that uh is there anything on your page other than next the sleep of reason not in the trade, but I'd have to look at the original issue. Maybe there's something. In the original issue, the story ends because the the page 22 with Swamp Thing we see is the, his back is towards us, and and, and it, the page the panel says "and grow and rise up," and that last page is supposed to have "and meet the sun," and that's with his arms all spread out like that. So whether it's DC's recoloring, because it's not like it's, it, it's, it's up in the, and I'll, I'll show you guys the picture the image he, he sent me, but it's, it's, it's up in towards the, the, the top left corner of, of the page. So nothing was covering it. There was nothing done. I don't know if it's, it, I'm, I'm sure when they did the retouching that someone covered it or, or they left it off. But, um, it doesn't scream to me like something that was deliberate that DC tried to do. Someone tried to do to, to piss more off again, but it's a, um, it, it's a bit of a bummer. Cause once you do read that along with everything else in the story, it, it kind of puts a nice little point on it. But um, yeah. So if, if you're reading the collection, 
um, you probably don't have that those those few words um, on the last page. Right. Neat. Well, in issue twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven, which is rounds out the the, the I won't call it second half, but the remainder of the trade. I'm not going to go as far as to say that it's a letdown, but the high points of this trade are now past us. Facts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, I don't, I won't say it's fun. It's an, it's a horrifying story and this is a horror book. So, uh, it's completely appropriate and in the zone, but after reading, the four issues that led to this, the next three are, a, they're not lukewarm. They're just not as good as what came before. And mm-hmm. they're, they're not as good as what comes after. Let's just say that. Um, in issue 25, Abby's spending increasingly more time with Swampy. She's distancing herself from Matt. Uh, f- rightly so, because the, the dude's an alcoholic creep who manifests whores to do his bidding. Um, she gets a job at the Elysium Lawn Center for Autistic Children, where she meets a young man named Paul. And Paul's a stickler for correct spelling. Um, he claims that if you don't spell things correctly, you open yourself up to attack by the Monkey King. What? Um, Paul's mom and dad played around with a Ouija board one night, and <laughs> they're they're moving the planchette around, and it spells Omox. Hodael Kamara. And what essentially that trio of words does is it opens up a gateway to our reality where the Monkey King can come through. And the Monkey King is a a creature that feeds on fear. He generates and fosters fear in his prey by projecting himself as the thing that you fear most in the world. And so he kills... Paul's mom and dad. Master. But he needs he needs a master. He needs a controller. So he cozies up to Paul after killing his mom and dad, and he's all sticky with their blood, and he's 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 going up to the kid, and the kid's like terrified, and he's he the the monkey king is is just he's there and he wants Paul to direct him. Um enter a man uh with very uh trademark hair. He comes to uh, Huma looking for a Ouija board. And he, he's very prescient because he tells a dude um, that, you know what? Selena doesn't like the lawn furniture. And you are going to die by swordfish by the end of the day. And the guy's like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, okay. Um, and, it, of course, it turns out to be Jason Blood. One half uh-huh. of, of the... Uh, Jason Blood Etrigan equation, and in um, 26, it's said that the Elysium children all draw the same. All drew the same thing, the Monkey King. They all sat down one day and they were drawn like fever, like whirling dervishes, and they all more or less created the same image of the Monkey King. And Abby and Matt have another verbal scuffle. She leaves to to check the kids because it's her job to protect these kids now. And Abby and Swampy arrive at Elysium to find the Monkey King running rampant. He's just projecting, uh, igniting the fears of all the inhabitants. One girl, um, one kid 
was taught to fear cancer, so there's this disgusting red, drippy, cancerous thing. Um, it's implied that one child was sexually molested, and there's a very disgusting, disturbing, uh, backwoodsy type character in Bib Jeans saying, yeah, Mommy doesn't need to know, and he's traipsing after it. It's just everything that these kids fear the most is being thrown at them in order to generate fear because that's what the Monkey King feeds upon. And uh, enter the demon, Etrigan, and he, he rhymes his way into the fray. Um, but Matt is drunk off his ass and decides to do what he should have done all along, help his lady, and he hops in the car, which was a, a very, very bad idea, because he crashes and um, he's not long for this world, which leads us to issue 27, which leaves Matt, that crash left Matt open to possession by one uh, Anton Arcane. And you guys, we don't experience it in this collection, but Matt is eventually possessed by Anton Arcane and has sex with Abby, who we all know is Anton Arcane's niece. Yeah. So she done bonked. Oh, baby, I like it. Yeah. She done bonked her own shit. Yes. Um, but the, the, the whole story culminates in Paul, the autistic child, facing his fear, um, stepping up, and in doing so, reduces the footprint of the Monkey King. The more that Paul embraces his fear and doesn't run away from it, the smaller the Monkey King gets, and Etrigan just takes him and eats him. And that's the end of this storyline. Yep. But um, some neat imagery in these issues. Um, the uh, sequence where Matt levitates or, or, or generates a, a thought form with Abby's discarded clothes and he says, now get down on your knees and apologize. And he's surrounded by these disgusting red creatures and, and, and skull-based centipede things. And it's just icky and bleh. Um That's a, a highlight of the one issue. The design of the Monkey King, I think, is great. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's terrifying. Um, but It looks uh, like a Wendigo that got the... Uh... They got like the, the the AIDS. Yeah, I would bet that Rick Veach had a hand in the design of the Monkey King because there is a story that Veach did for Epic Illustrated that has a creature that looks very much like the Monkey King. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, there's a beautiful double page spread of the uh, Swamp Thing fearing the future because it is autumn. And autumn brings fear and 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 decay and and well, as far as the plant kingdom is concerned, uh, a death of sorts. Uh, I think Beset and Totalbin's rendition of Etrigan is probably the most disturbing on record. You can add to that or or discount it. Well, I, had, I mean, I, had, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it before, really. I, I, I don't know. I, he just looks like Etrigan to me. 
Yeah, no, I, I'd like, I mean, there are a couple where he, he looks almost feline-like. There's, um, yeah, there's, in the there's eyebrows. A pages where, yeah, he looks more like the Cowardly Lion or anything else. And, and I just, I, I like the figure work. It's, it's the close-up on, or even just the faces, the headshots that really don't, um, sell me on it. But as far as the body goes, that, Reminds me of Etrigan. But, I, th- um, I think to to do a little bridge of our previous book of the month, I think Beset and Tolobin's Etrigan is far more fearsome than Matt Wagner's. Oh, it's totally more fearsome. He he looks like a demon here. He looks like a thing um, from hell. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't think Matt can really. I, I don't think Matt can draw ugly. It's just it's uh, he's it. I, he he knows his way around a, a pen, but I don't know if. I mean, even. Any of the ogres, any of the monsters, even even in the final mage book, and any of the the creatures he had to face, they they, it's like Corbin can't draw anything terrifying. I mean, yes, they're, they're monsters. What? No, 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 no. I'm saying they're monstrous and they're they're big, golem like creatures, but they don't like. I don't. They. I, I look at some of his of his creature designs, and they, they they strike me as more cuddly than than fearsome. It's just it's the way. They're they're presented under under his under his line work. It's um, the demon here is absolutely terrifying. The demon by Matt Wagner, not so much. And, and even but even even Zemeckis, even Val's demon didn't look gruesome or fearsome or terrifying. It just it's just the way it is. I don't I don't think Kirby's demon looks scary. No, well Kirby's was more of a superhero take on a right. on a thing from hell. Um, the the sequence where Arcane crawls into Matt Cable's semi toothless or missing tooth mouth yes. is is really gruesome and and icky. Um, and wouldn't you know it? Abigail's greatest fear is her alcoholic husband. Mm. Yeah, this marriage doesn't last long. Mm. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Uh, but. Um, it's it's a neat little story, uh, three issue story. But all said and done, it it's not the high point of the Swamp no. Thing run. And it, it's it's uh, the trio of issues was dedicated with awe and affection to one Jack Kirby, because it's the right thing to do. Yep, and the book is rounded out by a beautiful painting by Michael Zulli. Of uh, Swamp Thing with rosebush hands, and it's mentioned here that it was uh, the basis for the uh, William Paquette uh, statue that DC released in 1996. And if you go into my man cave and you look on my bookshelf, you will find that mm-hmm. that statue. Mm, it's Joe. it's the only statue I own. That's fast. Yeah. Wow. I love this it. painting too was the cover of the uh, '98 trade, right? Yeah, which was the first time that they had issue twenty in it. And the fact that they included Michael Zuli is poignant because Michael Zuli illustrated the issue that broke the camel's back for Rick Veach, the uh, crucifixion issue. Oh, that yes. that. Um, Rick Veach decided, you know, I'm not having this. I'm done. It was issue. It was slated to be issue 88 of Swamp mm-hmm. Thing, 
and um, in its wake, Neil Gaiman and uh, who else decided not to come on Swamp Thing due to their uh, kinship with Mr. Veach because uh, it's it's said that um, DC didn't want to do it for um, not to piss off um, the religious types, but it's all bullshit because at the time, Tim Burton's Batman movie was coming out and they didn't want any negative publicity going into the Batman movie. So mm-hmm. that's why it was squashed. It wasn't, you know, for any kind of moralistic uh standpoint it was not to generate controversy when they had this multi-million dollar movie coming out but anyway there you go saga of the swamp thing volume one so good so good we implore you if you haven't read this um read well read it first then listen to the episode which you'd never know that because you'd have to listen to it and hear me say that which is ridiculous but i I think this is a book that everybody should read Oh yeah, no, absolutely, it, and it's 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 a book where like, I don't think it doesn't matter how old it is. It it really is just one of those things where it's like, well, I wasn't, I was reading. It's like me trying to get implore people to to read Born Again, and it's like, yeah, you know, just just read it. Cause it's a good fucking story. It's, oh, you know, it's from nineteen. I don't, get, dude, seriously. But <laughs> this is one of those things. You don't. You have no idea of it. it but it's it's it's. Who um, hasn't read Born Again? I can name off at least three people, and I'm not going to do that to them tonight. Um, Blasphemy. And they're all hardcore comic book fans. They're all Marvel readers so and it just it it's it's i don't that's like not having read watchmen or or dark knight returns born there are people who haven't read watchmen and i don't but again that's i i can i can i'm a little more lenient with that um but no this is the saga of the swamp thing is is definitely especially the book one um you can just 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 pick it up and read it. You don't have to worry about anything mm-hmm. else. It's not like a Morrison story where you kind of have to. Maybe here's a relation between you know Zerna and 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 Seven Soldiers before you can read that. Just you can read this. It's don't worry about you know. It's it's not like one of those old Spider-Man stories where. Everybody's dressed because it's the seventies, and and that's it. It may take you out of the story because it's not current. But something doesn't wear pants. You don't have to worry about bell bottoms. It's just it's mm-hmm. it it really seriously read it. It's 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 my first time reading all of these stories, all of these issues consecutively, and uh, and 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 I well, I feel like I'm a better person for it. But it it's it really was a. It was nice to read a book of the month where we all enjoyed it. Um, it's been a while since that's happened, so I, um, I'm glad this one was picked. I loved all of Vince's choices. I'm looking forward to Jason's next month, and um, we will, uh, yeah, hopefully, keep it on uh, an upward momentum. But this was this was a great pick, Vince. Thank you. Well, in clo- in closing, I just want to say that. The hallmark of a true colossus of creation is when they not only produce an artistic work, but lay the groundwork for others to capitalize Mm -hmm. on their work. And while the plant that thought it was a man 
concept is is stunning in itself. We shouldn't discount the fact that Alan Moore created the green and laid the groundwork for the red, which led into Animal Man, and also laid the groundwork for the rot, which led into future storylines. I mean, conceptually, the green is a powerful, powerful um, sure, concept. Sure. But then to, to give somebody a freebie to work, mm-hmm. I mean, here, run with it in Animal Man. The morphogenetic mm-hmm. field, the red, like, it's just, it's just this extremely fertile, <laughs> um, approach to, to creation that you don't always see. And I'm always yeah. the one that, uh, is like, don't give it to them. Just don't give yes, it, just don't you. give it away. I was waiting, I was waiting cause I'm holding on to that. And I'm like, no, I know, like, but Alan right. Moore gave it away. He just yes. gave it to them. Like but here. Cause it served the story. It's not like, sure, he, but he didn't need to hold on to it. Where else? This, these are pre-established characters. These are established characters that, this pre made no sense. It's, these are established characters that you know he he's working for a company telling these stories. So so for for an idea like that, it plays into this. For him to come up with the green on something else on on Prometheus or Tom Strong, or it just it this was just organic. Haha. This was just one of those things <laughs> where it it made sense. So yeah, for him to say. I'm just going to call it the green. I mean, you know, back in the eighties, this is just something that came to him, but you know, it's not like he didn't, he didn't have to worry about, you know, well, if I give him this and, or this could actually lead to that, this was just, this was his first American gig and, and he was writing a story and it all made sense. So I don't, yeah, I, I absolutely get when you say, you know, stop giving it away, but there are times where it just, it's, it's a great fit. And, where else? I don't want to say where else because it's Alan Moore. Where else could it have played into something he mm-hmm. would have had it? But this one. So I, I and, yeah, and and I'll be the first to admit, without the process of giving it away, there is no growth in these books. They will they will stagnate. They'll be the right. same old, same old. They'll be what they are right now. Yes, yep. I I completely understand that. But it would be nice. If the creators can be, be cut in on a share of the profits, oh, that's an entirely different. That's discussion. not. Yeah, yes. we're not. Like I, for Alan Moore to create the green, something that DC has exploited for decades. Should there ever be, you know, a Swamp Thing movie, I would hope, however, or a TV show. Well, listen, we probably don't. We it's he. He doesn't. He of all the care of all the creators to to. To bring up to that, he's not. He wouldn't take it in whether they give him credit or not. Yeah, they, that's how I was going to say. Yeah, but that's. I mean, don't you think Alan that's Moore patently has been offered yeah. lots of money for this stuff, and he said no out of principle. So, yeah, right, but so don't he's you, a bad example. But right. don't, seriously, don't you think that's patently ridiculous? Where you okay, have a, you have yeah. a, it is where you have a multi billion dollar company saying here we want to give you this. Thank you for doing this, and he's just like, yeah. nah, son. I don't want it. Like, yeah, okay, I admire yeah, I your... Especially his daughter, you know, and just had a very public cry for help because she's got financial issues of significance. And you have to think, like, on what in what planet should his daughter have financial issues? Alan should be swimming in money. Right. Yeah. He'd be able to hook her up. And he would be swimming. I mean, Alan would be worth millions and millions of dollars if he didn't let his pride get in the way. And look, every man has his own principles, and I'm... Far be it for me to say he's doing the wrong thing, right? But it's difficult for me to accept the stance he's taking. Right, pride and principle are not worth that much to yeah. me. If I could set my children up 
and their children up for for in perpetuity. I'll do Fuck it. Cow. You know, my 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 uh, I, ideas don't matter that much. Yeah. So for fun, uh, good old CBR back in 2016 did a uh, one of those giant lists that they're apt to do where they they solicited thousands and thousands of voters to weigh in on the greatest comic book runs of all time and they did a top 100 any guesses without cheating where alan moore swamp thing ranked and it was a top 100 you said it's a the the, the list was a top 100 of all time yeah all right um 47 47. Okay. David. Where he landed on it? Right, where it ranks. Where Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run ranks. Oh, where Swamp Okay. Um, no, this is runs. This is comic runs, not creators. Alan Moore is the number one creator on the, on the list. Thank of one top okay. Creators. Um, it's like Hard Sharks. Is it higher or lower? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would you say... You going to laugh. <laughs> I think I, I think it's it's higher than fifty. So I'm, I say around sixty. Yeah, I don't have much faith in the readers of CBR. It, right, That's right. why I said and, and, and Swamp Thing. I mean, I, well, I have a feeling they'll two right, things. Right. One, uh, you're definitely selling CBR short with these things because they just solicit thousands of votes, and it's the power of, of of numbers. Most of these lists are very very good because they encompass all generations of active comic fans weighing in. Um, okay. So y'all didn't I'll, give your boy I'll, enough credit. He he's this the Alan Moore Swamp Thing run is fourth all time. Wow, wow. jeez, that's a big surprise. I raised my glass to them. Number one has to be Stan and Jack's. Fantastic well, I'm gonna give four. I'm gonna give you ten through one. All right. Okay, number ten, and this is you're probably gonna this will probably be where you where you have your 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 greatest uh, argument against CBR's list. Uh, number ten is Jeff Johns Green Lantern run. No, I, I don't discount that. That's that's a perfect place for it. Okay, okay. Number nine, Walt Simonson's Thor run. Yep. Eight, and this one I struggle with massively, but it is what it is. And I'm sure because of the time of the, the poll, some modern things got overweighted. Uh, number eight in 2016 was uh, Snyder and Capullo's Batman run. Wow. Better than Thor. I don't think so. Yeah, can't have it. Can't no. have it. And I actually disagree with number seven as well, which is Grant Morrison's Batman run. Oh. Mm. Better than Thor? I don't think so. Can't have no. it. No. Uh, number six, Ditko and Stan's Spider-Man run. Oh, number six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> That's awful quiet. You don't. You can't curse on that either? No, I, I think I have to. Well... <laughs> Yeah. That's a big steam and load of shit. That's what that is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, what is it? 30, 31, 32, 33. Quantity is I, not important. I know it isn't. It isn't. But it's, I mean, it, it should be right higher than, than yeah. the, the Batman runs. But yeah. well, let's just yeah. see. What's number five then? Five is, is Kirby and Stan's Fantastic Four. Wow. Fuck this list. This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number four is Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Oh wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. What? Now, now I am, 
I, I would I would cut my dick off for Alan Moore. If he wanted it, I would give it to him. But there's no way in friggin' hell that his run on Swamp Thing is better than Fantastic Four. No way. In disagree. Uh, number number three, Frank Miller and Klaus Hansen's Daredevil run. Janssen. <laughs> number two. Stop. Not surprised. Uh, this wouldn't be in my list because I haven't read it. Neil Gaiman, Sandman. No, no, no. Listen, oh, that's see? that's a general. Sandman is as beloved a comic series as it ever existed. It is. That's bullshit. And number one, which you could probably guess by now because it hasn't been mentioned yet, Burn Claremont X Men. Nah, son. No, yeah. no. <laughs> it's a jank ass list. That's a, that's silly. <laughs> I, yeah, if I had to shuffle the deck chairs, one yeah. would be. Stan and Jack's Fantastic Four. Two would be Lee and Ditko's Spider-Man. And then I'd have to play it by ear from there. But I would not. Yeah, there's some in... But Thor's... I would put Simon... Walt's Thor right before... Top five. Um, Easy. See, and I haven't... I've I've barely started Sandman, so I don't know... I don't. I, I can never front when Sandman's on, on that high on the list because it's also why Neil. I mean, Neil Gaiman is always right yeah. with Alan Moore for the best comic writer in these lists. He's always right up there, like two, three. He's never. I don't think he's ever outside the top three. And I, I people I, people love. There's a subset of people who just love to like Sandman is is the best comic of all time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's not for us because but but I'm but I can't like David. I haven't read yeah. enough of it. To, I can't. I cannot. It's like uh, it's like a band that you know is an all time great, but it's not your thing. I, like, you, like, no, 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 no Sandman's my Wilco, right? But that's what I'm saying. Sandman is unassailable. Like in terms of it, it too many, too many smart people, many of which we know and love, adore yeah. that work. Yeah. Yeah. For me to say it's not great. It also reminds me of pe- people who who got into comics or it, Sandman brought them. Remind me of people who also say. The 90s X-Men cartoon has brought the comics, and I can't... It's that That's just weird, but it's... But that I, was a huge gateway. I know it was, and I don't I don't see it. I know it was, and I, I, I love anybody, any gateway that, that brings people in, I'm all for. But I watched that cartoon, and I, or what I've watched of that cartoon, and it's just... In any event, I, um, I can definitely... Um, yeah, I... I it's weird. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I, it's, it's, it's a solid list more or less. I'm just not, not real keen on the order. And I don't, I think some of the newer stuff maybe should. Yeah. I, well, I think that, I think anytime one of these lists is done it, the, the stuff that happened recently just gets overvalued. Yeah. 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 I just, like bring... if you did the list right now, Saga would probably be in the top 10, right? Yeah. Like, because people just, just vote with what they most remember. Yeah. Bring it back to music, as I always do. I enjoyed Sandman. I mean, there's up and ups and downs to it. I think it ended on a, a very flat note. But there are bands that I just don't understand, like the Smiths and Wilco, and and there's people that would die for these, the 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 creations of, of these people, and I recognize the skill involved in the creation of of what they did but it doesn't connect with me 
um, like I think that happens with all, with all artistic forms. We've talked about it a million times. I mean, yeah. I I'm in the same boat. I, I don't care for Grateful Dead or or the Who, but I I but I'm not going to sit here and say they're bad. I, I recognize why people love them. I, yeah. I don't like Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen, but I get it. Like I, I, I get that. Like every other white person I'm friends with loves them. Like I get that. Like okay, so yeah, you know, just not my right. thing. That was a nice little uh, addendum to what we've done. Ah, thank you very much. Yeah, you're awesome. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you are listening to this and you're wondering how can I get in on this fun, just go to patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics and uh, join us. Join us, and and you could be one of the people that steers the rudder on the good ship EOC for future right. book for future books of the month. That's right, like it's, the Grim Reaper on the River Styx. That's right, Sharon. Yep. Yeah. So this is not the only thing we've read for this week. Do you want to limit it to our in your travels, or do you want to talk about some stuff? It's up to you. We're, we're right. over two hours as it is. Yeah, I mean, you know. The- I think we might have some some more more some more goodness for these people in a few days. So okay, all right, that's fine. I mean, we could do a meeting in your travels, especially if we have any collabos. But I I don't know about that. But uh, we can try. <laughs> we can certainly try. Hey everybody, we thank you so much for listening to this with us. If you haven't yet, I implore you to read Saga of the Swamp Thing Volume One. And while you're at it, as I said just a couple seconds ago, check out our Patreon page. And you can join us in future books of the month. You can determine what we read, what we talk about here for you in your travels. I've recently got caught up on Spawn. Hmm. Yes. On the road to 300. Yeah, exactly. Because 300, which is going to be a big deal, regardless of what you out there may think, your perceptions of Todd McFarlane and his signature creation don't matter to me. 300 is a big deal because it's going to be illustrated not only by McFarlane, but by the the best artist who ever worked on the title, Mr. Greg Capullo, and uh, uh, Campbell's on it, and there's a bunch of people illustrating it, but it's going to be an exercise issue, uh, multiple covers, so it's going to be in the probably the top 10 for that month. <clears throat> Everybody's going to want to see, hey, what's up with this thing we used to love back in the day? Uh, so I read Spawn 295 to 297. And um, I have to say that thank the gods for Jason Sean Alexander. Mm. Because he is producing amazing work on this title. Uh, in 295, Spawn finally puts the violator down. He beheads him very much in the same manner as he beheaded the Malbolgia back in issue 100 um, before he died, uh, and dies in quotes because he is um, from hell, so how can he possibly die? He uh, lets uh, Al into a little secret that he's been um, in charge of uh, kicking the various spawns in the the Tukas and getting them to... uh, act over the millennia of uh al is not the first spawn uh nor will he be the last but he is the most formidable as far as heaven and hell are concerned and issues 296 and 297 which are called um the history of spawn 
part one and part two, appropriately mm. enough. It's basically the Redeemer and Cagliostro recounting the past 200 issues for people who haven't been reading the book like I have all along. Um, it goes into Al Simmons and why he was chosen to be the spawn, what happened with Terry Fitzgerald and Wanda and eventually Cyan. It goes into Jason Wynn. You have um, all of the foes. Uh, Sigor is the heap makes an appearance. Um, it, it, it goes into the, the, the beheading of the Malbolgia and Jim Downing and that era of Spawn and, and how he, you know, what happened with him. But it's basically a, a primer for the people who haven't been reading the book to get up to snuff for issue 300. That's all this is. But I say that. In in uh, in narrative, it's pretty much yeah. This is what happened, but visually, oh my God, Jason Sean Alexander, he every one of these pages is probably going for huge amounts of money because there's a ton of double page splashes in here where he'll draw, um, you know, the commando spawn and it's surrounded by all characters from. Spawn's path past, and there's a couple uh, characters that McFarlane throws in here that are new, that are just thrown in to like get longtime readers guessing. Like, what? What's that? Um, there is a montage with Spawn and all the villains, like Cygor and uh, the Redeemer, and you know the anti-Spawn and all this stuff. But visually, this thing is a tour de force. Like Alexander is amazing he's he's got this this huge presence in the book and i'm not gonna fall back on on common gripes and and demean the work of one artist while championing the work of another but if you are looking for a visual feast pick up these issues of spawn because uh jason's work is just it's ungodly good i mean he's making the book his own to the point where it's going to be hard, not not that hard, but somewhat hard, to to revisit McFarlane's take on the character and Capullo's take. I think <clears throat> Capullo's at the top of the mount. There's been no one that has ever rendered the character or its environment as well as Capullo. Even though it's it's McFarlane's baby, I think Capullo was the preeminent vision for Spawn. He's never going to be eclipsed in my mind. Um, but Jason's work is it's in a different vein than Capullo's. It's more gritty, it's more uh rugged, it's it the lines are like dripping with soot and dust and it's great. Um check it out. I mean I I'll be the first to admit McFarland's not a great writer. He's an ad, he's an adequate writer, but he's a really good concept man. And he once had the chops to slam his concepts home because his art was revolutionary, not only for the time. I mean, look what McFarlane did for the entire comics industry. His run on Spider-Man completely changed Marvel in its wake. You, you got to agree with that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And he brought that magic to Spawn, which in theory is not... A revolutionary character, a, a creature of hell, turning on its masters, and oh yeah, okay, that's great. But but the panache that McFarlane brought 
to the character with the chains and the cape and the, just the outlandish visuals. Like it didn't really make sense, but nobody cared because it was so freaking cool. Sean Alexander takes that and brings it into another arena, more of a traditional horror visualization to it that I just think is it's impeccable. And uh, I, I hope you read it because there's big doings coming. So read Spawn 295 to 297. It's amazing. Oh, what is seven? Yeah. Uh, I had tried to decide on I was decided between a couple different things so I will land on um, although I will suggest everybody read the first issue of the new volume of the weatherman but in your travels this week from me this episode um, I caught up I read after reading issue 31 I read issues 32 and 33 of Batman Beyond and it is still so good. It, it, written by Dan Jurgens, pencils by Rick Leonardi, inks by Andy Parks, colors by um, Chris Sotomayor. It is. Um, it it's kind of been one cliffhanger after another um, with these three issues, and and I, I'm dying to find out how um, how our hero gets out of. Uh, out of the predicament at the end of the 33rd issue. But we're still, we finally now know that Bruce Wayne isn't really a Bruce Wayne because in uh, issue 31, when Terry, when, when Batman was in um, in great peril, Bruce kind of just shrugged it off as if like, you know, well, there's nothing we can do. I just, you know, kid's going to die. Can't help you. I'm out. And, um, with the help of Terry's brother, Matt, he's able to escape the trap, um, face the, um, he faces the, the villain split later on in the issue. But while he's doing that, the head of Wayne tech security is, uh, is a former member of the Royal flesh gang who goes by 10. She, um, she and Terry's brother Matt find out that Bruce, or Bruce in quotes, went to a casino because he needed to get out of the house. And while he's out, he tells Alfred the AI that uh, you know to lock, kick the losers, kick, kick those kids out of out of the mansion, um, override all my previous commands, this, that, and the other. Um, while that's happening. Batman catches up with Bruce and they have a tussle and fall off the side of a building. And then Batman Terry shows up in the Batcave to see his brother. Um, all while 10 goes to Arkham to get to, because everybody realizes now that Bruce hasn't really been acting like Bruce since he went to Arkham and, um, so they're trying to solve that mystery. There is a character called False Face who is the one who he's 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 now he's taken over Bruce Wayne's body, and uh, that's why Bruce isn't acting like Bruce. But what happens at the end of the thirty third issue 
really um, knocked me for a loop. It, it, it probably would have been something you might expect uh, if you were paying, if you were cynical or just thought the worst of people, but I kind of rolled along with the story and, and didn't really see it happening because it wasn't as apparent as it was at the start of this arc. Anyway, Batman Beyond has been kicking my butt in a good way these past few issues. Uh, it's still on my pull list as far as this arc is concerned. Uh, we'll see what happens when it wraps up. But uh, for now, I am seriously, really, really enjoying Batman Beyond. Yeah, that's your, that's your, that's your sweet spot right now. That is right now, man. And I'm getting, and, and, you know, the Kari Andrew covers, the variant covers are pretty nice, but I, um, I, I, I got to give it up to, uh, to Chris Somney, who's doing the, the standard covers and the, um, and, and their, their word balloons on them. So I can't, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. So we don't see that enough these days. So yeah. Right. You got though. Yeah. You champion Chris Somney. Water's wet, sugar's sweet. Yep. Right. (laughs) Um, I was doing a little spring cleaning and organizing, and I realized that, uh, as is wont to happen to us, I am still buying a ton of single issues of comics that I have gotten woefully behind on. And I thought, man, you know, there's a good chance that I'm buying a lot of these comics and I'm not. I wouldn't have been buying them if I had been up to date, right? Just because it's, it's atrophied. So I, I, I'm trying to to grab these runs and, and and power through them to to make more informed decisions when I do my next previews order. And first up in that quest was the Terrifics, which we were super into and talked about pretty much every issue in the early going. Um, we also had Jeff Lemire on the show when he was. Uh, partway through his run and I hadn't read anything I I hadn't read past issue 9 so I read issues 10 through 17 this week and that includes the final issue of the Tom Strong and the Terrifics arc which is 10 then another 4 issue arc called the Terrifics No More uh, which ends with issue 14, and that is also where Jeff leaves the book. And then the next three issues are called The God Game, uh, parts one through three, and that is when the new creative team of writer Gene Yang, who we're all big fans of, uh, and uh, Art Chores, Pencils, and Inks by Steven Segovia take over. So, um, first the obvious... Uh, based on our prior talks about the uh, the earlier part of this run, Lemire's Terrifics is 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 uh, no pun intended terrific. It's it's mm-hmm. it's amazing, and seeing Tom Strong and Delua and Tesla, um, it w- is, was a treat, and I really loved the final arc, the Terrifics No More. Um, there is a protag uh, there's a, a villain and antagonist that that comes to bear named Doc Dredd. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, of course, you know, like Dr. Doom. Um, and he is, um, he's been the puppet master of all the things that have happened in the series thus far, it turns out. And the mystery is who is Doc Dredd, and it turns out to be... Yeah, I'm not sure if, I've, I've, if, if I'm in love with that reveal. Okay. I still, but I haven't... I'm saying this without 
I'm not current. I'm I'm a, I'm a few issues You're behind. He's in love. But I'm, I'm Well, just... it turns out to be Java. Right. Yeah. You didn't like it either? No, I thought it was fun. Oh. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was fun. And I am a sucker for uh, new teams. And so the Terrifics have to face off against the Dreadfuls. Yeah. Which is uh, with Java as Doc Dread. The best, the best villain, alter villain ever is an evil vampiric version of Plastic Man named Plasma Man. <laughs> it's just fucking brilliant. I absolutely need more Plasma Man in my life. Metal Morpho. And then an emo haterade version of Phantom Girl named Phantom Boy. Um, and this is great. This is great classic superhero comics. Good guys versus bad guys. And over the course of the series, we are introduced to some ancillary characters like Offspring, who is Plastic Man's son, has the same powers. Um, you've got uh, Element Dog, so it's it's uh, it's it's uh, like Metamorpho, only as a as a as a dog. It's awesome. Um, and I thought that Jeff uh, left on a high note. Just good, fun superhero storytelling. And then Gene takes over, and um, it's. It's good, but it is tough act to follow. It's tough to follow Jeff on this book. So in this arc, the God game, basically um, there is a higher power that's fucking with them and fucking with reality. And um, there have been a lot of false starts as to who is the man or woman behind the curtain. So I'm not even sure we really know yet who actually is behind all this. Although I'm pretty, we we I think we kind of get we're kind of at that point, which is to say, um, it's it's a little bit like Brother Eye in that the antagonist appears to be um, a one of Mister Terrific's T squares or T spheres that has <laughs> been given sentience by uh, what's uh, what's what's homeboy's name. Um, the 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 dude that that runs uh that that Metamorpho works for uh like stag that. yeah stag thank you I couldn't think of the name um stag swears he isn't co opting Mister Terrific's technology as he's mm-hmm. putting them up in their uh while they're all trapped together and of course that was a lie and he starts doing experiments on the T spheres and imbuing it with uh. Uh, and an enhanced intelligence and then it gains sentience. And so it's, it starts messing with uh, our reality as a result. So fun stuff. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep reading it. And so I don't want to, but, but it's, it's, it's a, the change was a little abrupt from, from Lemire. Like I think Lemire was like at a hundred and I think Gene's still trying to figure out how to make this book, his book. Um, and I'm guessing I'm going to give him this arc to, to reset the, the playing field, so to speak. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, you could do yourselves a favor. And uh, for those of you that, um, that maybe haven't been keeping up with it, I, I definitely think the terrifics is, is worth the, uh, the, the, the tension and the few shekels that it'll cost you. Hmm. I will catch up on it. Not to correct you, but to inform you. Mm. Offspring was a product of the sequel to kingdom come called the, the kingdom. No, no, no. I know that, but in this, oh. in no, no, no. I know that, but in this, they don't because it's it's the remember this is the new fifty two. This is the all new. So in this, they redo his origin. Hmm, sweet. In this, Plastic Man, you know, was the in the egg 
for all that time, and it was from five metal. years. Yeah, yeah, from metal. Yeah, yeah, from metal. And so now he is. There's a, uh, a an ongoing background where, in calm moments, he's on the phone with his ex, explaining where he's been, and she's having trouble coming to terms with it and saying, "But yeah. you know, you disappeared." He's talking about his son. He finally meets up with his son. And his son is a teenager and has his powers. And at first, it's like, I hate you. Uh, you know, and I learned about watching you. But then, because of <laughs> yeah. uh, the event, that he gets pulled into the danger and has the powers too. And then kind of says, All right, dad, I'm going to be your part. So that, they, they just redid off, they, they redid Offspring for the new continuity. Nice. It's yeah. good, good to see that they're pulling stuff into the rebirth universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, trivia. Who was the illustrator on the Offspring issue of the Kingdom? Mm. I, offhand, nothing's coming to mind. Frank Quitely. Is that right? No, at least he did the cover. I remember. Oh, okay. I remember the cover first and foremost, but I'm thinking he mm-hmm. did the interior too. Yep. So, kind of, sort of half-assed trivia, but trivia mm. nonetheless. <laughs> His name was attached to it. He's on that cover. There you go. Hey, everybody, thank you for being here with us one more time. If you would like to hear more of this, come back next episode because we're going to be doing this in a relatively short time. Um, we're on the the Book of Faces. We're on the Twitters sure. and the Instagrams and all other places. And please, if you are not already, um, if you haven't already checked it out, go to the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics no apostrophe one one and uh join us if you wanna we'd love to have you in the meantime do like the smart people do and say good night get some over here (laughs) ah yeah man (laughs) it's not a kettle drum it's a can of beer, David. Nice. Not that long. Nice. Let me do it again. Go for it. You was right, by the way, Vince. I was? Yay. <laughs> Mark Wade, Frank Whiteley, created him in The Kingdom Offspring Number 1. Woo! David. Sweet. You're doing a little Wild Man Fisher at the end of that. Because I was bebopping along with your little kettle drum can. Nice. Little Scatman Brothers. You're the meanie. That was perfect. Say goodbye, people. We loved having you. Come back next time. We'll be here. Some surprises. Sooner than you think. Yes. Yes. Big to big. Well, some, yeah, big to do. It's for me, anyway. For you. Right. Yeah. Bye.